in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your hubbearer. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. Welcome everybody, it is Wednesday, October 25th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show, coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in sunny Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, looking for a competitive advantage in today's data-driven world? Of course you are. Earn your Master's in Business Analytics from the University of Louisville in just 12 months. The good thing about this program, there's no previous coding experience required. You can delve into the world of analytics and data visualization, learning essential tools like R, Python, Power BI, machine learning, and more. Those words mean absolutely nothing to me if they mean something to you or if you want them to mean something to you. You get classes available both online and in person. Get started today by visiting business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3.05 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM. Streaming all over the land, you know us better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford's here. Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, is back in the uh, the, the production saddle. Whoop, whoop. Looking at his gorgeous mug uh, on, on the camera today, which he sets up, which Trevor has no idea how to do. That's fine. Scoots, uh, another long day for you. I heard a little bit of you this morning on with K- Kentucky Roll Call. What? Yeah. Listen That's to, pretty shocking. Listen a little bit to that. The last you were li- Mike Rutherford was listening to the Big X? I, That's big news. Come on. I, yesterday, I brought up how I was listening to you, you know, going to John Spears' birthday party. That's how I found out I got I was the only person not invited to Spears' birthday party. <laughs> Uh, that, yes, I, I listen to KRC in the mornings, not usually the entire show, but I do, it's easier for them to listen to, to our show because afternoons yeah. more laid back, you know, you're at, you're at work. If you're driving around, if you're like TJ, you're going to appraise some houses, you, you just, you flip on the radio, you can catch a solid chunk of our show. The only time I really get to listen is after I drop the kids off at school because, you know, taking them to school, they're running the show. I'm listening to their music. And then besides that, like, it's early. It's, it's too early. And the podcast doesn't come out until a little bit later. You're, you're too nice of a parent. When I was a kid and we were getting taken to school oh. or picked up from school, it was Dr. whatever her name was. You remember her, Dr. Uh, Ruth? The sex no, doctor? No, Is that what you were listening the, to on the way to school? No, my mom listened to Dr. Schlesinger, Laura Schlesinger. I, I, now that you say name that. Name ring a bell? Yes. Yeah, my mom was obsessed with that. And so we never got to pick our own music. We had to always have to listen to that boring stuff. Oh, we had no control over the radio growing up. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how. Kids these days have just taken total power. Like They, they run the TV. That's kind of on the parents, though, right? It, it, you're right. It, it is, hand up. But also, like when your choices are have the kids crying and screaming for the 15-minute ride or let them listen to This is Halloween – 
for the billionth time and the goofy monster mash. That's what we're going to do. Well, you never know. The voices of Roush and TJ and Scoots might soothe them. The weird thing is when I pick them up from school, they don't care at all. Like, like so I, I do listen to sports radio on the way home from school. Like, mm. But it, what sucks is it's noon and there aren't as many shows right. like going on. So I, I feel like I always leave the radio on. And it's like, here's Jim Rome, or here's whatever in the national. Oh, if you're if you're putting them through Jim Rome, you need CPS called. I know, you? I know, but like, it, I mean that show's horrible. But on the way to school, for whatever reason, maybe it's because I'm trying to like calm their nerves as they get ready to go to school. Now they're they're pretty good, but I, I never, I feel like I never get that right. But you're right. Like when I was going to my mom, when I got a little bit older, she was more like, I would control the radio. I, I'd put on you know B96, Hot 104.3, <laughs> uh, the, the old rap stations back in the day, and. My dad, though, it was very much, I've, I've mentioned this before, he had the same mix CD. I think my sister and I could probably still name every single song on it. It had uh, Al Stewart, You're the Cat. It had like three Jackson Brown songs. It had Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart, twice on accident. <laughs> and we was, a bunch of Allison Krauss songs, and we listened to that just constantly. It was either that or he would listen to sports on the radio or that old car talk show do you remember that one no car talk those guys they had the big thick northeastern accents no don't not familiar with that one and i'm not a big car guy so i you know just they were funny i i enjoyed that a little bit and then just the, the standard npr you know he would have the oh that's all things so considered, boring all things considered and then the that lake will be gone guy like all you know, it was just yeah it was, it was but i never we never had a say in this we never were like hey let's outvote dad here it was whatever dad's going to listen to. And I think at a certain point when the kids get a little bit older, like that's going to be how I'm, I'm driving. I get to listen to what I want to listen to. But for now, I'm, I'm appeasing them. But I did listen to, to you on KRC a little bit this morning. Mm-hmm. I know it's been a long day for you. Yeah. Once again. But you look uh, you, you look chipper. Yeah. You're, you're not no. like Trevor who wakes up at two and still is, is like, as he drags in after his 15 hours of sleep here for the three o'clock. Show. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm very chipper. I've been here since. About 6.45 this morning, so Jeez. when we get to your show, it's almost like, well, I only have three hours to go, and I'm out of here. It's all about perspective. Yeah. You know, I look at this, and I'm like, it's 3.10. We're just getting started. What a long way we have to go. But I've already been here eight and a half hours. It's kind know? of it's kind of like when you're you're driving a road trip. You know, if, if I'm just going to Nashville, that feels like the longest trip in the world right now, If I'm you know, if, if I'm just leaving Louisville. Mm-hmm. But when you get to Nashville on the way back home from South Carolina or Florida, wherever you are, you're like, hell, we're almost there. Like, yep. We've almost made it. It's all about perspective. That's right. Unfortunately, your perspective is closer to 6 o'clock than mine is, yeah, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah, we, got, we have plenty to get to today. Uh, we will talk some Cardinal sports. It was the ACC Media Day in Charlotte. I refuse to call it whatever dumbass name they have for it, Operation Basketball, whatever the hell they try to do. Wait, really? It, yeah, they they do. It AC- wasn't just ACC media days. It's the dumbest. The, the ACC does a lot of dumb things. I think this is the dumbest. They do ACC kickoff for football, which is fine. You know, kickoff, uh, hilarious. I don't know why we can't just say media days, but we have to call it ACC kickoff. <laughs> and then for basketball, I guess because they don't have, you you think you would go just ACC tip off, right? Mm-hmm. No, it's Operation Basketball, which when you say. Was this a military thing? Exactly. When you say like Jim Phillips was speaking today at Operation Basketball, nobody knows what the hell you're talking about unless you're an ACC fan. Right. So I always just I, I it's one of those deals because I write for my own website. I don't have to abide by the AP style book or you know whatever people want to. Like, I never use the exclamation point in KFC Yum Center. I refuse to do it. I took a stand <laughs> against it back in 2011. I always space out U of L. I never have the U of L all together like they want you to. Oh, that's weird to me. I, I think it looks better. I no, like the way that I do it. I like it all spaced together. Even like their press releases, I will space if I'm just copying and pasting like their lines. I will space out the U of L. Really? Yeah, I don't like that. And I never refer to 
ACC, op- whatever, Operation Basketball or ACC t- kickoff. By the, it's always media days. I, Wait, just, I just call it media days. So have they been doing this for a while? It's been like six or seven years now. Seriously? Yeah. So it was ACC. Yeah, and I've never heard of it. So you're right. People that don't pay attention to the ACC. Who cares, yeah. right? It's I mean, ACC media days. It'd be one thing if every conference had their own specific name that was just theirs, but everybody else does media day. And so when you say something different for the ACC, it, like nobody knows what you're talking about. Even if they were to say Operation ACC, Instead of Operation Basketball, I think it would make more sense. Well, I'd be like, what is? Like, are they going into surgery? Like, what, what, right. what, what's happening? I mean, it's here? dumb either way. It's very dumb. So I just, re- I, I call it ACC Media Day. And Kenny Payne and JJ Trainer and Mike James all spoke at ACC Media Day. Uh, it, there was an unfortunate, <laughs> there was an unfortunate moment where, um, the video. Everybody gets their own podium time, mm-hmm. and I think Kenny Payne was on the podium at at twelve thirty, and. He was then supposed to be on the ACC network at like 145 where they had, like where they were carrying his like his little spiel, and as he, in the middle of him talking, he's been talking for like 45 seconds. They just cut away to a like studio discussion about North Carolina basketball, and I was like, damn, we can't we, we can't even get can't even get the full segment up there on the ACC network. But uh, you know, we'll, things were said. We'll, we'll play a little bit of the audio for you later in the show. We've got a lot to react to. That there are some football stories out there. I can finally get to my Duke story that I want to enlighten Scoots about today. Uh, the, the the most notable story in the long and storied history of the Louisville-Duke football rivalry. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll have some fun with you guys on the Thornton sex line, of course, at 502-414-1450. Uh, reminder, Thornton took me with the best deals all football season long. Download the refreshing rewards app to take full advantage. It'll save you money at the pump. It'll save you money inside anytime you stop into one of the area's 86,722 Thornton's locations. Do that, and then text us at 502-414-1450. Scoots, outside of being here and working like another Fifteen hour day. How are you? How was the Tuesday night? I'm good. Uh, Tuesday night was good. I what did I do last night? I well, I didn't get home till late. Why did not? What? Yeah, it was like seven o'clock. I don't know why. Oh, you were because here. I, yeah, because I had to. So the podcast didn't record on my side of things. Oh, I did get, for yeah. whatever reason. So I had to go to the other room and get it downloaded. And just takes so long for a three hour show to make that happen. So I didn't get home till after seven. I think I played a game of the show. Turned on. The baseball game, watched a little bit of it, the NBA game, the Nuggets game, um, read a chapter and a half of Harry Potter and called it a night. I've only got 40 pages left, by the way, in the it, first book. So. Is that Sorcerer's Stone? Is that yep, right? Yep. That's probably going to get knocked out tonight. Look so, at you. Yeah. Living the life. Feeling good. Every single 34-year-old's dream. I am a lot more... So yesterday I was admittedly pretty tired and like run down by the time we got to your show. But yeah, for whatever reason today, I'm I'm feeling great. You've been happy. I'm you, feeling real good today. You had a pep in your step when I walked in. Yeah. I think Maybe it's, it's the Sandlot shirt. It, you, you are wearing a, a You're Killing Me Smalls t-shirt, which I love. Yep. I, I should have worn my long sleeve. I, I have the old um, uh, the, the Fred McGriff, the AAU back-to-back-to-back national championship t-shirt from the Tom Amansky instructional mm-hmm. video commercial. Okay. I've got that long sleeve shirt. I, I love that. Trevor wants to steal it, although I don't... He, couldn't wear it. By the way, have you wore your Shady Rays long sleeve shirt yet? I have. Yeah. Oh, is that not the most comfortable, comfortable. shirt of all time? I so I, like I have a few of those, you know, for like birthdays and Christmas and stuff. Like you know, I'm I'm a thirty something, almost now pushing forty year old man. There's only so much that like I want. Like you know, there's not that much cool stuff out there that you can get me. I'm very hard to shop for at this point. Mm-hmm. And so what I do like, you know, I'll get some of those just like comfortable. 
running shirts from you know, from those athleisure sites or whatever, and kind of the pants too. They're just it's all about comfort now this in this day and age. And sure. if you have to pay a little bit extra for that comfort, so I have some of those kind of expensive long sleeve shirts. I won't buy them for myself, but I'll have other people buy them if if I can't think of anything to get. And like that Shady Ray shirt, it's that same type of material, that stretchy, awesome. just comfortable. Like it's it feels just like all those shirts. Like it's a it's a great shirt. Yeah. I got the one with the like the I don't know what color it is. It's like the coral. 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 Yeah. I was gonna say salmon, but that just reminded me of Ross from Friends. Roush Roush me and TJ two weeks ago, we all three wore them back to back days <laughs> without even realizing them. Back to back to back. It was I nuts. It. I love it. Yeah, shout out to Shady Rays. We love you. Hope you're still entertaining your your Shady Rays purchase. Forty percent off uh, with the Big X promo code. We love our friends over there at Shady Rays. Um, I don't know why I just started. I sounded like Trump right there. It's like <laughs> I, I I fell into like a Trump speech. It's like we love Shady Rays, don't we? We love our friends over there at Shady Rays. Uh, so you watched the baseball game last night. We did have a, a local boy on the hill for the Diamondbacks. Brandon fought from Trinity. This is what just. A rock baseball player doing what a rock baseball player does. Some of us go into radio and you know live the the high profile life of Big X Sports Radio. Others go on to play for the Arizona Diamondbacks and pitch in Game Seven of the NLCS. And he delivered last night: four innings, one run, seven strikeouts. I was a little surprised they didn't go let, let him go a little bit longer. I, I told you they were probably gonna it was gonna be a quick hook on on the starter if, if things went wrong. But he seemed to be cruising a little bit. And both teams last night seemed to me at least. A little bit in a rush to get to their kind of crappy bullpens. Like, mm-hmm. neither one have dominant bullpens. So, I was a little surprised on, on both those fronts. But, Scoots, I mean, I'll be just frank about it. I am shocked that the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to the World Series. Oh, same. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm in the exact same boat. This was the one team. like So, during the – from about, like, when teams started to sort of separate themselves from the pack in, let's say, late June. When the Reds are on their good run, you're like, damn, like, you know, you look at the standings. They're kind of right there in the wild card hunt. Mm-hmm. Out of all the contenders in the NL, and I'm including teams that narrowly missed the playoffs like the Cubs and even the Padres, the Diamondbacks were the team that threatened me the least. Like I, I, I thought, you know, they reminded me so much of the Reds, where they're young, they, they steal a ton of bases, they play that chaos style on the base pass, they don't have a ton of power, a ton of offense. Their pitching, I think, was a little bit better than the Reds, but was a not a little bit, but a lot of it, a lot of it. But but they not, have Zach Gallon, which equals two of the Reds. That's stars. fair. That's fair, but not like. Still not like dominant. They don't have a starting five that you looked at in the regular season and you're like, damn, like we're going to get torched in this three game series against them because we got to face A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clothes are good, but not spectacular. He's been better than, than I think I thought he was going to be. It would have been cool if the Reds had got him last year, which was a rumor for a while. That, that sucked. Who's their closer? That Gallon guy, not Gallon, um, the Seward guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Came in last night. Mm-hmm. He's got a really, really good curveball, but besides that, he's, he's, he's whatever. Um, I just I, I never thought, and the Reds swept them early in the season. Probably should have gotten two out of three when they played them last. Sewell, yeah, it, it, Paul Sewell. I never, th- and when they limped into the playoffs, I'm like, well, they're, you know, if they make it through the first round, they're not making it through the divisional series at all. Like they, they are not built for a five game series, and they're really not built for a seven game series. And lo and behold, here we are, the Diamondbacks versus the Rangers. I mean, Rob Manfred's nightmare because this game is, is is not going to draw big ratings. It's not. There's not going to be much interest to the non-diehard baseball fan. I'll watch because I, I I really like baseball, and I think both these teams are kind of fun. Plus, you have the local connection with the kid from Trinity and Bellarmine who's going to be pitching for the Diamondbacks. But man, just more evidence that playoff baseball is really just kind of about who gets hot yeah. at the right time. I, I know you can say that about a lot of sports, but in baseball specifically. This is the third straight year now 
that the team with the 11th or 12th best record in the regular season has gone on to play with the world in, in the World Series, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's nuts, and it does feel a little bit wrong that you have a sport that has a 162 game season and then a playoff that kind of feels like a little bit of a crapshoot. I think hockey is probably the only other sport where you feel like you have as much unpredictability with the postseason or March Madness. March Madness too, but still, by and large, you know, last year was kind of an exception. I think number one seeds had won eight of the last twelve national championships. Like, oh, really? Okay. You you have insanity in the first round, a couple mm-hmm. rounds, right? But typically, order will sort of restore itself once you get to the later rounds. You, you you're going to have one weirdo Final Four team that's a seven seed or higher, but they're not going to win it all. And it's going to be like a one or a two seed that wins it all. And last year was a little bit different, although UConn, I would argue, was was underseeded at four. But, but it's also the similar in the way that the hot team can make a deep run. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think you're like right there. UConn. Like you, UConn, we've seen a couple times. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like half their national championships have been just getting hot at the right time, and then also having some, you know, being able to avoid some of the other better teams in the tournament because they get knocked off by somebody else. All that stuff out there, but it just feel. I mean, the Dodgers being historically good the last couple of years and not winning a playoff series. Um, you know, the, the Braves this year having one of the people talking about them having the best offense in the history of baseball and not winning a series, and this Diamondbacks team, which has just been kind of a, a, a nothing all season long. Just like a, this, this good but not great team, this team that's probably a couple of years away from its window, now being four wins away from winning a World Series is just is nuts to me. It's nuts. Well, and you you really have to give a lot of credit to Brandon Fodd. I mean, he's, yeah. to my knowledge, he was not their number three starter throughout this season. I don't, he started 0-9, I, I Yeah, exactly. I don't know who was their number three starter, but he has taken on that role in the playoffs. He's been right behind Gallon and Merrill Kelly every single time. So he's really picked up his game, really rounded into good form. And as you mentioned, yeah, I mean, started 0-9. I mean, that's... Incredible for him to come out and have the postseason that he's had. By the way, did you know that both of these teams two years ago lost a hundred games? I, I, I saw that stat earlier, which That's is nuts. nuts. I think yeah. they're like, it, and I think they're. It's now happened three times in the last four years. Where it only I, happened four times ever I, I knew, before this year, and, and and three of them have happened in the last I think like three or four years, mm-hmm. where a one hundred loss team has gone on the next year to, to or in, two years later to make the World Series, which is insane. That means the Reds are still in their window, baby. Definitely is still in the window. Let's do it. But Brandon fought. I mean, I mean, he was a guy. So he got sent down this year, and when he did, he had a above ten ERA when he got sent down. They bring him back up. They obviously like his stuff. He must have played the bats. Maybe he did. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe he did. But so he comes back up, and he's still not great. He's better, but he's losing a bunch of decisions. His first win came against the Reds in the middle of the summer, and it wasn't a game where he pitched particularly well. Like, no. like I remember he like he gave up three or four runs, and the Reds just kind of you know they gave up like six or seven early runs and ended up losing a, a slugfest. And he's only three and nine going into the postseason, and it is just a matter of a guy finding that magic. He, he's been really good for them. He only given up one run in three starts. He hasn't gone deep in two of those starts, but still. He's given them exactly what they've needed, and they would not be here without him, which is kind of a cool story. It does. I mean, the other reason why I'm kind of, I don't want to say upset about this, but also kind of upset about this, is the Diamondbacks are the team that most mirror the Reds. Like, like the entire season, every time we played each other, I'm like, you know, we're basically the same team here. We've got, like, like both teams were kind of too young to recognize to really get nervous about being in a playoff race because just so many young guys, so many guys that were playing AAA at the start of the season or that were playing AAA last year. 
the pitching was their pitching was better than ours for sure. And that that's really all it comes down to. Which is, is if why, we're going to compare the two teams, that's all it comes down to. Which is why once again, like you know, everyone's sitting here and being like, "Well, there's there's nothing wrong with sitting on your hands at the trade deadline because you don't want to lose these prospects. You don't want to lose these prospects. This isn't the year. They're ahead of schedule. It's it's next year and the three years after that where you can really do some damage. And my 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 thing the whole time was. This is a team that's leading its division going into August. You don't get to choose when you contend. You, you, you know, sometimes it just happens. And sometimes you think you're built for a big-time season, and it just doesn't happen, i.e. the Reds back in 2011, when they kind of collapsed in the middle of those two years when they, they did go to the playoffs. Anything can happen once you get into October. Just get there. Just get yourselves into that position and then see where the chips go. And that's why I was so frustrated with the Reds not making any moves Dealing a guy like Jonathan India, who ends up after he becomes healthy, he was like three of forty-three. Doesn't help us at all after he, he comes back. If you can deal him and maybe a, a, a one prospect or somebody else, may, not one of your top three or four guys, but somebody Newman. else. Yeah, okay, well, Newman. Well, no, I mean who the hell would Newman. Take Kevin Newman? <laughs> They'll give you a player just to keep Kevin Newman. But if you could have gotten a a legitimate starter to help you out, a, a, another arm. I mean, doesn't even have to be a dominant arm, but a good arm. You could have been the Diamondbacks this year. Or and you, you start doing this thing, too, because the Reds ended up finishing two games behind the Diamondbacks, and you look at it and you're like, man, Corbin Carroll hit that home run off Alex Young in the eighth inning. We brought in bleeping Alex Young after we'd just taken the lead. If we win that game, we had the tiebreaker with the Diamondbacks. If we end up tied with them, we go to the playoffs. They don't. Uh, we had the tiebreaker with the Cubs, too, so if it was a three-way tie, we still would have gone to the playoffs. You start doing that whole thing, that whole song and dance, and it just – it drives you crazy. Well, that's I mean you're you're doing that to yourself though. I mean you you cannot look at the season like that. The way the way the I'm whole, saying we would have won the World Series no, if we'd done one thing differently. That's the thing is the Reds this the season they just had was way above what anybody thought they were gonna they do would, coming they into the season. Should have won the World Series. You get you got to be happy with what you've seen. I did like the people who shouted out who made the deep cut for a Mike Rutherford show reference yesterday. Who were like Corbin Carroll, so underrated. I don't know. I, I guarantee you weren't listening to that, but like Trevor was doing this thing where he was trying to be Mister Inside Baseball and like deep cut guy, and he was he, he had this big spiel about he's like he's like somebody who doesn't get talked about at all, who I think is like the most underrated player in baseball, is this Corbin Carroll for the Diamondbacks. Was that this season? Yes, it was oh like three months gosh. ago, and I, and I was like I was like Trevor, Trevor, everybody talks about Corbin Carroll. <laughs> I was like he's gonna win Rookie of the Year. He's like, I was like, he literally gets discussed on every baseball show every single day. <laughs> Trevor was trying to do this whole thing. Like, I don't know if you've, uh, like, like one of the lesser known Beatles albums, the White Album, is actually one of my favorites. It's, it's really good. Maybe you can check it out. Google it. See what you think about it. He was doing that thing with Corbin Carroll. And there were a couple of guys on Twitter last night who were like, just happy for Corbin Carroll. So underrated. Such oh an under-the-radar star. Uh, but, yeah, he is. <laughs> Corbin Carroll is very good. He, he came up big again for them last night. And they started were, the game with a single. Started the game with a single. He ended up having, I think, their last RBI. Drove in the run with a sack fly. He was a, a couple hits. He was very good for them last night. Uh, and they win 4-2. I did love, did you see, I don't know if you saw the, the highlight video of all the Phillies fans after the game being interviewed by like the local radio station. Oh, no. We can't play it here because they, they do. I guarantee we can't. Well, they blank it out, but it's like it's like barely blanked out. And <laughs> I, I wouldn't feel comfortable playing it on the air because it's just the, the F word is flying freely. And it is crazy how in the snap of a finger you go from, you know, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, and, and all these guys are just like Trey Turner. They're the kings of the city. And then after one game, it's like, 
We you paid chumps. $300 million for these freaking losers to, to go 0 for 8 in that game and all this stuff. Like, like I, I never want to see this team play baseball again. It's just a total 180 for all these fans. And, I mean, this is definitely one that's going to sting the Phils for a long time. They're up 2-0 in the series. They lead 3-2 with two home games to close it out, and they can't get the job done against a team that they have, let's be real, a ton more firepower than like that one that that's one that's going to bite you for a while especially if the Diamondbacks like look like crap in the World Series. I mean all around pitching, batting, yeah, base better. running like every aspect of the game. Phillies I, are I mean, better. I called sweep and I I was like the Phillies are going to sweep this series. It's not going to be close and now we have a Diamondbacks Rangers series where at, at the risk of doing it again, I feel like the Rangers are probably going to win. They should win. But at this point, I don't put anything past the Diamondbacks. I'm pumped. I'm just I'm so pumped for something different in the World Series. It, it is like because this is the first year where we haven't gotten the status quo in a long time, where it hasn't been you know Astros, Dodgers, Braves. Not Dodgers. They never get there. Well, they, they always choke well, before. They, they wanted in, in 2020 <laughs> though, and they've gotten there a few times. They just yeah they they recently they've definitely choked before, but not one of those like five or six teams that you always expect. I just wish it were. The Reds in there. Rangers have not won a World Series ever. Their last appearance was in 2011, where they came one strike away from winning the World Series. It was a great series uh, against the Cardinals. And, and then we have not seen the Diamondbacks in the World Series since the, the equally famous, probably more famous, uh, 2001 World yeah. Series, where they beat the Yankees. And you know, <laughs> which uh, the only time that America's like been kind of pulling for the Yankees a little bit after you know a month after 9/11 or two months after 9/11, and <laughs> the Diamondbacks coming and ruin it. Was like, it? Well, was it 2000 that the Marlins won, or was that 03? It was, that was 03. So who won in 02? 02 was, great question. It was, did the Yankees win that year? I know they did in 2000. I think they won in 2002 as well. I mean, they won like every World Series ever during that time frame. Let's see here. No, no, 2002 was, was the Angels-Diamonds uh, Giants series yeah, with Barry right. Bonds. We Angels. talked about it yesterday with uh, Dusty Baker losing to Game 7. So how about that? A- Diamondbacks, Angels, and Marlins? That's quite the, that's quite the three-year run. That's, I mean, you, we haven't seen any of those three in the World Series for a long time. No. That's, uh, that, yeah, that's, it, it'll be fun. I'm excited for it. I know a lot of people aren't. I know the ratings will be bad, but who cares? It's, it's baseball. It'll be fun. Uh, last night, also, we had the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. You and I both called it. Not being able to take care of the Liberty Flames, who were undefeated, on their home turf. You heard it right here on 1450 The Big X. Liberty stays unbeaten, moves to 8-0 on the season with a 42-29 win. And now for, for Western Kentucky, you look at it, they are 4-4. Four and four. You need those two wins just to get bowl eligible, uh, bowl eligible. And there's no guarantee, being a team that plays in, in Conference USA, that 6-6 six and six is going to get it done. They've, I mean, they do have a favorable schedule. If you're looking at the, the rest of the year, on the road against UTEP will be a little bit, a little bit tough next week. Mexico State is a, a team that has six wins already. They come to town in Bowling Green on the 11th. And then Sam Houston and FIU, you should be heavy favorites against to, to end the regular season. But Top's got to get it done if they want to go bowling. Keep that streak alive. Get it back. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little Louisville-Duke, a little history lesson for one Scooter Dingus. We're going to walk him through one of the greatest college football. Mike, if I ever told you I hate history. Well, you're going to like this one. History. This is one of the not just best Louisville stories of all time, to me, it's one of the best college football stories of all time. Oh, okay. Now yeah. you got me intrigued. We'll walk you through it coming up after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Wednesday edition here on 1450 and 96.1. The Big X. 
don't like me. She's doing things like having a voice come from her neighborhood to the studio. A decade ago, I never thought I would be a 23 on the verge of spontaneous combustion. Woe is me. But I guess that it comes with the territory And I'm on this landscape of never-ending calamity I need you to hear I need you to see the day of that oh, I can take an explosion It's not the reception I was expecting for this song Possibility me Pardon me So pardon me I feel like they're trying to do the I've heard this before but they're definitely for, we're trying to do like the Foo Fighters thing, where it's like every aggressive song can also be like a very like chill, acoustic rock thing. Uh, Incubus was very big when I was in high school and early college. I'm trying to think of their big song that I know. I think it was it was that one pretty much. No, th- they sang Drive, right? Yes, yeah, that's probably the bigger one. I guess. I'm wheel and drive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Whatever tomorrow. <laughs> it was again. It was that period where everybody had to sound a little yeah, bit the same. Exactly. Uh, speaking of, I, I saw that the the Rangers celebrated in their locker room with a with, with Creed. They they you know the Creed has been their anthem throughout yep. the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. how we got to talking about it on the show, and they they sang that. And then like the night before, the Vikings moved to two and zero when they listened to Creed higher before games. Kirk Cousins said they've been listening to it. Creed is just slowly re- not not just like creeping back into the American subconscious, but kind of taking over in a way that they never really did before. What are you? What are your thoughts on Creed? I mean, I thought Creed sucked back in, in the okay. day. Like no, like it, you know, I, I, they became an easy target for sure. You know, they and Nickelback were the easy punchline. Like, oh, you but you listen to Nickelback and Creed. I just was not a Creed guy when they were popular and on the radio at the hmm. time. Yeah, I, I never understood the hate for Creed or Nickelback. I mean, everybody was always so torn when it came to those two bands. You either you either absolutely hated them or you thought they were good. Never, I don't know that anybody ever thought they were great, but like me, I, I always thought both those bands were good. I enjoyed their music. They, I mean, not all their music, of course, but majority, I thought they they did pretty good stuff. The very first uh, Nickelback song. I guess the first like hit they had, the How You Remind Me. It was it was popular on the radio when I was Yeah, like, that one kinda sucks. See, I think it was like my junior or senior year of high school and I remember thinking I was like, I don't I don't mind this song. Okay. I, but then it was like it got so overplayed. And then the later Nickelback songs when I was like in college, I thought those like the Look at this photograph. I was like, This is the worst <laughs> song I've ever heard in my entire life. What about animals? You had to like animals. How does animals go again? Um it's the really fast one. It's almost like he's rapping. Him and the girl are in the well, car, and her dad catches him. I feel like I would have remembered this. You remember. I it. had to have remembered this, but... I, I can't sing it that fast, or I would. <laughs> Just a couple animals. Sounds like the Kanye West uh, slow Get in. Remix. Get in. We need Twista to do this. Uh, <laughs> we've got, we'll get to the Thornton sex line at 502-414-1450 in a bit. But I, I want to talk about this yesterday. The Card Chronicle was down, so I couldn't reference the story. But... There's a very famous story. Louisville and Duke, not a ton of football history between the two. They've played four times in history. That's it? Four times ever. Twice since Louisville joined the ACC in 2014. They, they won a closer-than-we-thought game in 2016 on a Friday night when Lamar Jackson was in the midst of his Heisman Trophy season, 24-14. And then we absolutely blasted them two years ago in Durham when they were terrible. The last David Cutcliffe season, Malik Cunningham made a mockery of their entire defense. I think we won 63-20. to There were, however, once upon a time, Supposed to be more games between these two teams. Oh. Once upon a time. COVID happened. Well, no. (laughs) Even before COVID. A a glorious time a decade before COVID. (laughs) Where Louisville and Duke once signed a contract to play four games. Two in Louisville, two in Durham. 
between the years of 2002 and 2009. Oh, did Duke pull an IU on him? Hold on. But yes. The first game took place without issue. September 7th, 2002. L goes to Durham, destroys Duke, 40-3 to inside Wallace-Wade Stadium. This was the, the last... John L. Smith team. This, this was they, they, they got beat by Kentucky in week one. They go to Duke a week later, kick their ass, they lose to Colorado State, and then eventually they beat Florida State at the end of September. So, I, I think we talked about this yesterday. We've known Duke in recent years to be a little bit more stable. David Cutcliffe had a good thing going, went to a bunch of bowl games. I mean, right now, they've got a team that's been nationally ranked for most of the season. They won nine games last year. But you have to remember, this is 2002. The Blue Devils were in the midst of like the lowest of low years for a Power 5 conference program. They did not play in a single bowl game from 1995 to 2012. Between 99 and 2008, they won 13 games. They went 13 and 90 Whoa. over those years. So they are terrible. So with this being the state of, of Duke football. Basketball was cooking at that time, though. Well, basketball, it's, it's always cooking. That, that, that was the thing, though. They, but they, that was some of their best years. They were the worst football and the best basketball yeah. program in America simultaneously, which was almost impressive. <laughs> it's but like Kansas. Louisville now, they get to a point where we're getting towards the, the last three games are supposed to be played in 07, 08, and 09. And suddenly, Bobby Petrino has a Louisville team that's not just good, but they're, they're damn good. They almost beat Miami in 2004. They only lose one game. 05, they're preseason top 15. 06, they go to the Orange Bowl, and Duke's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't really want any part of this. So we're like, we're out. We're not playing you guys. We're done. Those three games, they didn't see Steve Cragthorpe coming, so they pulled out. Duke asks Louisville to make a good faith effort to find a replacement opponent. And they say, look, find somebody else to fill our spot, and we'll pay the cost of the contract's cancellation cause clause, which is $150,000 per game. It's crazy how much times have changed because Indiana's mm-hmm. buying out a game for like $2 million. Duke's like, find somebody else and we'll pay you $150,000. Only if you can't successfully find somebody to take our place. Louisville says, we can't find anybody to take your place. So we want $450,000 in damages from you. $150,000 for every game. That's what the contract says. So... Why are we sitting here not talking about U of L being a half million dollars richer because Duke didn't want to play them? Well, because Duke's attorney took advantage of the language in the contract, which said that in the event of a cancellation, the other side must make a good faith effort to replace the reneging team with another team of, quote, a similar stature. The school's lawyers, they argue that because Duke is like the worst college football team in America, that it's impossible for Louisville not to find another opponent that fits the contract's language of finding a team of a similar stature because even if you take like an FCS team or an NAIA team, they're almost as good as Duke. They have the same value as Duke football. That's how bad we are. The only exception that Duke's attorneys are willing to concede at this point in time is that if you had to play a JV team to take Duke's place, (laughs) that would be a lower level than, than Duke. Everything else is fair game. It's on you guys to schedule anybody else. They take this argument to court. Duke wins in court with their own lawyers arguing that we are so bad that you can find quite literally anybody in the country and they'll be at least similar in stature to us. (laughs) Here's a portion of the opinion from Judge Philip J. Shepard. He says, to say that one thing is of, quote, a similar stature to another is to say that the two are on the same level. 
Nothing in the language of the agreement suggests that it is necessary or appropriate to conduct an in-depth analysis of the relative strengths and weaknesses of the breaching team and its potential replacements. Nor does the agreement specify that replacement teams must be from a particular major athletic conference or even a particular division of the NCAA. The term team of a similar stature simply means that any team that competes at the same level of athletic performance as the Duke football team. At oral argument, Duke, with a candor perhaps more attributable to a good legal strategy than to institutional modesty, persuasively asserted that this is a threshold that they could, that could not be any lower. Duke's argument on this point cannot be reasonably disputed by Louisville. So the court grants summary judgment for Duke for the 2007 and 2008 games. They did not consider the 2009 season. They say that it's too far in the future to reasonably determine what the stature of the Duke program will be by then. But right now, yeah, there's no way Duke's going to be good in 07 or 08. You guys are wrong. You could have scheduled, you know, Fairdale High School, and they would be the exact same as Duke. (laughs) We've had some dark times as a program. I mean, Louisville has thought about dropping down to the FCS level. They thought about getting rid of football entirely in the 80s. We've never had to get rid of paying a a half million dollars to another opponent by going to court and saying that literally any other college football program in America is the same or inferior to us. It's just, it's it's one of my favorite stories of all time. And the fact that they won, the fact that they had to tuck their tails and be like, you know what? It's worth saving the $450,000 to crap on ourselves a little bit. Let's just go ahead and say it. Murray State football is basically the same as Duke football. You could have scheduled them. We're not paying you. That's hysterical. And they won. So who did did they, I don't know if this is what I should have got out of the story, but who'd they end up replacing them with? It's funny you ask. So somebody brought this up today, and this is sort of like a butterfly effect situation. I I can't remember who the, I think I know which opponent it was in 2008. I know for a fact who it was in 2007. So Louisville ended up scheduling a game against uh, Utah at, at Cardinal Stadium. But how'd they go from not being able to find a team to... Somehow question. making that happen. It's a fair question because we wanted to. You know, basically, we wanted to get the, the five hundred thousand dollars. I think is, is probably right. They end up getting Utah, and so this is a this is Steve Craigthorpe's first year, right? They start the season number ten in the country. They get up to number eight in the country. They end up losing to Kentucky. That derails the entire season. They still, I, I think, we all remember that season as a failure because it was. But that team still went six and six. In today's world, they would have gone to a bowl game. Back then, there were fewer bowl games, uh, and so they didn't get invited. Utah on October 5th, Louisville was coming off of a bounce-back victory on the road over NC State, which people were like, hey, you know, maybe they, they might end up being okay. Utah comes into town and beats Louisville 44-35. to If you'd had that game against Duke, Louisville goes 7-5 and that season. They definitely go to a bowl game then. Could there have been a domino effect where maybe we get a fourth year of Steve Crackthorpe because he went to a bowl game? Maybe does, he, does the confidence build and we're better in 08? Who knows? But... That scheduling, not only did it cost us the half a million dollars, it cost us potentially a trip to the Meineke Car Care Tires Bowl or something like that, and I'll, I'll never forgive Duke for it. We need to beat Duke by 40 on Saturday. That's the, that's the point here. I like it. F Duke. Bleep him. That's a, that is a fun story. Glad you told it. That, I, I know I told you I don't like history, but that was a good piece of history. It's, it's good history. Yeah. It's fun history. Yeah. In 2008, I believe it was um, Kansas State that we brought in mm. for eight, which was a, it was a bizarre Tuesday night game. What? And, yeah, and we actually won that one. That was one of the first. Uh, this is when Mary and I had just started courting. Maybe is the phrase correct? We definitely weren't dating, but we were talking. Maybe as the kids say, I know mm-hmm. we used to say that. Yeah, and it was kind of awkward because like we were 
we didn't know if we were serious or not or what was going to happen there. And we like we were like, do we sit by each other at this game? We're, we're all with mutual friends. And I was like very into it, and she didn't care. I was like, fine. Go Hunter Cantwell. Co- common theme on, on your show, Mike, when I'm here. Communication. Communication. Communication <laughs> is key. We didn't have it then. We found it a few months later. We got we we eventually got there. But Louisville did win that game against K State. A good K. Crackthorpe did that weird thing where every now and then he would just have a win that was impressive. Like the 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 07 season that I'm talking about, we went to Cincinnati and beat a ranked Cincinnati team on the road in the middle of that year where it was like, what are we doing? They beat Josh Freeman and uh, it was the, the the wide receiver who ended up playing in the NFL for so long, a little white guy who, who was so good. Um, they were both on that K-State team. We beat them 38-29. Talking about Wes Welker? Wes Welker was on that team. And, you know, it was like, okay, we got something here. Then we turn right around the next week and lose to UConn. A week after, we rip off three straight wins. We beat a top 15 South Florida team, and we're like, all right, we're 5-2. and two. This guy knew what he was talking about. It was the culture problems. It was the Bobby Petrino leftovers. It was everything that he left behind. And then we lose five straight to go 5-7. and seven. So <laughs> that was the, the Cragthorpe era in a nutshell. But maybe it would have been all different if he'd had those three games against Duke to at least give him three more victories in 07, 08, or 09. Or maybe he would have lost to Duke and we would have fired him in year one. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, 502-414-1450. We'll take a couple of texts here to wrap up uh, hour number three. Texture says, I want to go back to yesterday's Am I the A-hole story involving the wedding cake. Okay. Was it weird to anyone else that the bride felt the need to inform everyone that they, quote, had three types of cheese, including Monterey Jack? Like, were you really trying to flex having Monterey Jack cheese at your wedding? What were the other two cheeses, American and mild cheddar? Really going all out there for your guests. So that was the, the weirdest part about reading that, because I don't know if it comes through when I'm, when I'm reading it, if you can actually look at the text. Like, she puts in, like, parentheses. Like, even Monterey Jack, like, exclamation point, as if it is, like, some, like, this luxurious treat. It's some type of rare cheese that only you can fly in from Italy. Um, yeah, that, that was the whole story was, was strange. What, what would be the cheese for you? What's that third cheese that you'd be like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going? I like cheese a lot. I'm not. You don't have like one favorite? It depends on what we're talking like about. Like that cheese for me, if I hear that they've got three cheeses and one of them smoked Gouda, I'm in there like swimwear. That's 100% where I was going to go. Okay. But it depends on like, in like what context. Are we talking about like with crackers? Are we talking? Like, I don't care. Like I love blue cheese on meats now, but I don't like it like just with with crackers by itself. I, I need it with something. I need it has to be paired with something specific. Uh, but smoked gouda. The, the, okay, I'm gonna tell the story. This it's gonna make me look bad. But when you when you eventually have kids, scooter, you you go through the same thing. The 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 hospital experience is a whirlwind. Like you know. You, you never really know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. The you know, the first time we went there, and it was like a full 24 hours before we even started labor. Like it's just it, it's a ton. And so the second time, you, you on top of dealing with having a, a kid, like you're dealing with. We already were parenting Virginia. We weren't getting enough sleep to begin with. It was the middle. It was, it was this time. John's birthday is in two days. It was like this time of the year where you've got basketball about to start and football. Like I was working a ton, so I'm already very tired when we get to the hospital. The whole like three days there is kind of a a flash for me. Like I, I don't remember a ton. I really don't uh, of John's birth. Like a, I remember what I was wearing. I remember like this stuff. But the one thing that stands out more than anything, they had this sandwich there. I took a moment where like the uh, one of our nurses was like, they've got a grilled cheese cart in the, the, the cafeteria downstairs. And like it's people are, are very excited for this place. They, they come like once every few months. Like you're lucky to be there. And sure enough, like, the, line, the line was so long. It was this place <laughs> melt. And I got this, this, it was like grilled cheese with all sorts of different toppings. 
and I got this grilled cheese sandwich with turkey and smoked Gouda cheese. Mm. And it was one of the best things I've ever had in my entire life. I think about that sandwich three times a month. Like, I, I'm, I'm kidding you not. It's, it was so good. And it's, it's, when I think about this time of the year, and I think about my, my wonderful son turning two years old, I'm like, it's been two years since I had that sandwich. You got to get another one. I've got to find out how to get it again. It was so good. It was delicious. It was incredible. If I'd have known you were such a big cheese guy, I'd have brought you some back from Wisconsin. I got, oh, you should have. I, I brought back like six or seven kinds. I don't know how you feel about horseradish. But one of them was a horseradish smoked cheddar. I'd love to oh, try it. Oh, my God. I would literally drive seven hours right now to get some. It was so good. I, I spent I, – I know Mary makes fun of me. I lose myself like the little cheese circle at Kroger every time we go because they have mm. all those different cheeses. I'm, I'm a, that was the one thing people were talking about picking up different habits during COVID and like lockdown and everything. I was like, I'm going to get really into cheese. I went uh, to the market next door this morning for some breakfast. Uh-huh. And didn't realize how many how much cheese they had, so I might be going back. What market is that? Paul's. Oh, Paul's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Paul's is Paul's is loaded with cheese. I've right? never never been to one. I stop at Paul's once a week to pick up turkey and various other things for for the kiddos. Texas says as uh, the fall city fixer. I was feeling pretty down about myself yesterday before dis- Trevor described eating an Arby's French dip alone in a bowling alley parking lot, and now I feel like Jimmy Stewart at the end of It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that on Monday show. No. Trevor did talk about going like because I was like he was he was discussing working at a KFC Taco Bell like maybe they used to have those hybrids mm-hmm. everywhere and he was like I was on the KFC side I'm like well that would suck you know the Taco Bell side's the cooler side and he was like not really because the Taco Bell side was always working a lot and the KFC side you know you I would make like a pound of chicken and I'd be like all right I'm gonna go outside and smoke some weed and then I'll come back and I was like it's kind of like if you had a Chick Fil A Arby's and I was like. It, that does remind me, we have the, the same, in St. Matthew's, there's the Chick-fil-A right next to the Arby's, and the Chick-fil-A always is like 750 people deep, mm-hmm. and the Arby's always has like one guy going through the drive-thru, and Trevor's like, that's usually me. He's like, I think that's <laughs> me at that Arby's. And he said, I have gone to that Arby's many a time where I'll get a French dip, and then I'll just pull into the 10-pin lanes bowling alley and just eat it in the parking lot by myself. And I was like, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. The visual of you sitting there. Which, by the way, the St. Matthews Little League is a stone's throw away. I can't imagine they love seeing this man eating a French dip by himself in a bowling parking lot. I, uh, I've never felt so ashamed because I ate, granted it was in the Arby's parking lot, but I ate Arby's in the parking lot yesterday. So <laughs> What's wrong with this man. face? <laughs> man, oh man. Texas says, Trevor's gone for two weeks in a row now. The vibes are off for Duke week. No, vibes are right. The vibes are fine. Yeah, the vibes have been good. It's Halloween, everything's good. We're, you know, weather's great. The weather's perfect. Literally perfect. We're having a good week. Scoots is a, is a has been great as a fill in. We're gonna make sure that things are right this time. I didn't feel good going to the pit game. A lot of things went wrong. The vibes were. I, I read the the legal story helps us out. Well, and you get Rashawn on Friday. Rashawn so will be great if on Friday. If that doesn't set the vibes right, nothing will. We've got basketball media days going on. That's at least, we can't lose that. That's o- happening. Operation basketball. Operation basketball. I'm not calling it that. <laughs> Texture says 502-414-1450. I'm planning on going to the game Saturday. My first since they closed the North End. I'm thinking about sitting in the new section. Have you heard anything good or bad about sitting over there? Well, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Are you talking about like the, the upper level? section like where the adidas logo is if you're talking about that then it's up there like for sure it's a steep view if you're talking about like the i mean i don't know like the field level suites or like the other thing then that's yeah if you can weasel your way into there then i would i would make that happen for sure texture said we got a top 20 football matchup uh, at home 
ACC Media Day, and we're being, I can't I don't know if I can say that word about the Reds. You're exactly right. That's what that's exactly what happened. We have th- it's a three hour show. Yeah. I, I can whine about the Reds for like five minutes at the beginning. Give me a break. Texas says every team that has eliminated the Brewers from the playoffs has won the pennant. Yeah, that's true. That's crazy. Of all time. I saw the Brewers aren't bringing back Craig Council. They aren't bringing him back, or he's just interviewing elsewhere? Well, he's not coming back. They didn't offer him a contract. Hmm. I'm fine with that. Get him get him the hell out of the Central. Can the Brewers become the Pirates, please? Works for me. Texas, outside of announcing his resignation, there's nothing Kenny Payne could say at Operation Basketball that would inspire confidence in the fan base. Thank you for that. <laughs> Glad we're bringing the confidence, the optimism right out of the gate. Texas says, Scoots saying, did they pull an IU? The self-awareness is great. I forgot what that was in regards to. It was in regards to Duke. You called the story. You, you. I, oh just, yeah. I'm prefacing. I'm, I'm, I'm laying the foundation. And you're like, yeah, did yeah. they, did they pull that's an right. IU? And I was like, that's exactly what <laughs> nailed they did. it. Texture says, um, Texture sends in a uh, link to a WLKY story that says astronomers have detected a mysterious blast of radio waves that have taken eight billion years this to reach story, Earth. Story unbelievable. And then it says, meanwhile, the Big X is just trying to get their signal past the gene snyder. <laughs> Yeah, I saw this story yesterday. How in the world, how in the universe are they determining it was sent 8 billion years ago? Like, I, I don't know. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I know space is advanced and we've come a long way in that regard, but how? there's no way they can know it came from 8 billion years ago. I, yeah, the, the, you're asking me if I can, like, give an explanation for how they can? Because, buddy, I, it's unbelievable. I'm going to spoil it for you. I got no idea. I, I can't. Damn it. You know, this is one of those things where you're just at the mercy of the experts, right? Like, you've got no – when people unearth uh, – you know, the other the other day I saw a story that was like this worm that had come out of – it had been frozen in – Oh, permafrost. In, yeah, yeah in for 40,000 years or whatever. Well, I mean, I thought that they said like 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 2 million years or something, and I was like, how do they know? Like, I, how do you look at this? Like, what possibly gives it away? Is it like a tree where there are rings? Is that, is that how it works? <laughs> I mean, is there? do you have to count 4 billion of these things? Like – I've got no idea, so I'm just like, oh yeah, that's that, that's crazy, that's insane. I've got no way to fact check these people. I don't, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Texture says, uh, Mike, how did you rank Purdue but not UK? Is that a real question? Very easy, very easily. Purdue was a number one seed last year. They brought back everybody. You ranked UK though. I did. They were just. I, I think I. I think I put them at 25. I did the. I, I did the like the. Yeah, like they'll, they'll probably be okay long time. This was before I knew exactly who was coming back and who wasn't. We had to put your audio on blast on KRC this morning, by the way. About UK? About your stance yesterday, yeah. I mean, feel free Every, to. Everybody had a good time with it. I mean, <laughs> please play it again in five months. Because I think last year we had a similar conversation at the beginning of the season where I was like, they'll be fine, they'll be good. And what happened? They were a sixth seed that lost the second round, which was pretty much exactly where I had them. I think they'll be fine this year. I think they'll end up being like a four seed that maybe goes to a Sweet 16, but they're not a realistic national title contender. They're, they're not. I hate to break it to you. You guys do the same thing every year. Every single year you do this where you're so mad in Easy March. Easy on the you guys, not me. Not you, but the, you know, the, the Kentucky fans, like they, the, the, the butt slappers. They do this thing every single year where in March they want to grill Calipari. It's the nooses. He doesn't know what he's doing. The game has passed him by. And then like two months after, they forget all of their complaints, from the, the prior, and they're going to be incredible again. <laughs> And how dare you not have us ranked in the top five? <laughs> Ridiculous. TJ said, you said last year you had them top five. I didn't. I said I had them in my final four. You can check that. I tweeted it out preseason. I said uh, they were in my final four. I think I also had UCLA, which did not, not go well for me. And somewhere, I can't remember who else I had. 
but I did not have them in my top five. Uh, Texas said, oh, I guess we don't have time for text. We'll come back. Four o'clock hour is up next. We'll talk a little bit about what Kenny Payne had to say at ACC Media Day today. We'll take some more text from you guys. 502-414-1450. Happy Wednesday to you. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on because the songs are actually better than when he thinks about it and selects his own music. So, <laughs> I've enjoyed, Although I have heard Outcast Miss Jackson like five times for the show. It's okay. <laughs> Four o'clock hour here at Mike Rutherford Show. 1450-961, The Big X. All right, I, I wanted to move on, but people keep... Let me first of all say this. This is a compliment to the listeners. I am very, very... Maybe encouraged is the word? Flattered? I, I don't know what the, the word is. We have so many people that listen to both this show... And Kentucky Roll Call in the morning. Which well, I, they should. Which I think is great. Like, yeah. I, I think it's awesome. And I say this not because they're just on the same station. Like I think KRC is a great show. Like I, I am not a Kentucky fan. I find both. I find you. I find Nick. I find TJ very entertaining. It's it's relatable. The Kentucky conversation I think is good. I mean, obviously I've got a, a rooting interest against Kentucky, so I keep up with what's going on with them. I enjoy the program. Can't say the same thing about James Spears. I think he sucks. I don't know why anybody <laughs> ever listens to him. Invite me to your birthday. But it's, I think it's cool that we have so many fans that listen to them from 7 to 9 or 9 to 11 in the morning, and then we'll also listen to this show, mm-hmm. which is clearly more Louisville-focused, from, from 3 to 6. People are saying, because of this, they're, they're talking about this, this Kentucky conversation. And one, I've got a text here saying, Scoots, you said you were tired of Mike's narrative evaluating the U.K. basketball team when talking to TJ this morning. Don't shy away from it now. All right, so I saw that text, and my rebuttal is that was not a shot at you. That was a shot of anybody that's had this take because we've discussed in length about Jeff Goodman and John Fanta and how all those guys. So it wasn't just you. I'm just tired of the narrative surrounding Kentucky that they're not great coming in because I just until you right. until you see something else. I don't know how you can't look at their roster and see what potential they've got. I think so it's pretty easy. It, it wasn't you. I'm just tired of the narrative surrounding the preseason hype for Kentucky. Second, in second. TJ texted in mm-hmm. and is like, "You said you had them top five, Mike, Lion, Mike." And I was like, "I know I had them in my preseason Final Four. I know that for a fact." I looked it up. My early season top twenty-five. You can check this. SBNation.com early college basketball rankings, June tenth, twenty twenty-two. I had them at number two. I had Kentucky at number two. Now, this is, this is bad for my professionalism because I had North Carolina at number one, who didn't make the NCAA tournament. I had Kentucky at number two, who was a six-seed-nothing team that lost the second round. Like, I, so I very clearly did have them preseason top five. Two years ago, I had them number 10 in the country. I, I, I feel like I've been higher on Kentucky the last few years in the latter half of the Calipari era than I probably had. Maybe I'm trying to overcorrect and try to be objective because, you know. So you're the snake bit one. Maybe. But like I, 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 like all these Kentucky fans can get fooled again. 
They can do this thing every year where they're like, ah, you, you got to move on. You can't be freshman driven. You can't play this dribble drive offense. Games past Calipari by. And then the second the season ends and they get a couple of shiny new toys to play with, they're like, this year's going to be different. We're back, baby. Swaggy Cal. He's saying like passive aggressive things to Matt Jones on Twitter. He's back now. Like, I'm not doing it again. They're going to be fine. They're clearly going to be better than we are. So I, I, I can't get too like high and mighty about this. But they're not a realistic national title contender. I'm sorry. They're not. They're, they're not. And if I'm wrong about it, I'll eat those words. But I was wrong last year for the opposite reason, and I'll, I'll eat those words too. I thought they were going to be way better than they were last year. Last year, The one thing that separates this year from last year, and then we could move on, would be the fact that if you ask any Kentucky fan, majority of them would tell you that they expect to have four, if not five, draft picks on this team. Cool. It happens every year for them. Not not the way it's going to happen this year. I mean, four of those guys could go in the first round. They could. And that's, I mean, but that, Edwards is the only guy that I think everybody is like salivating over right now that kind of has that old early Cal feel. Mm-hmm. Like DJ Wagner, some people have him going late first, early second. Yeah. Uh, the Dillingham kid, I think, is going to be very, very good. Um, but like, it, 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 it's not like it was those first few years where it was. This guy's a guaranteed top five pick. This guy's a guaranteed top five pick. This guy's a guaranteed top 15 pick. Like, I just don't, this freshman class is just not that strong. And again, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I just don't, I don't, don't, they're going to be fine. They'll be good. They'll be the third or fourth best team in the SEC. They'll be like a top four, top five seed. But I don't think that there's any realistic threat of them winning a national title. Going to a Final Four is one thing. Regions can fall apart. I mean, hell, their region fell apart last year. They, they opened up wide open for yeah. them, and they couldn't beat K-State. But I don't think that they can win a national title this year, which makes me happy. <laughs> uh, Sector says, Purdue lost to a 13 seed, a 15 seed, and a 16 seed. How can, you ra- how can I rank them? Because they were in position to lose to all those teams. They brought everybody back. They bring back the national player of the year. They bring back virtually the entire team. Yes, they lost to a 16 seed in the first round. You know what happened to the last one seed that, that lost to a 16 seed in the first round and brought back the bulk of their team for the next year? They won the damn national title. Isn't it? It's kind of, and I'm not trying to pick on you here, but it is kind of hypocritical. You're putting Purdue at one when... I'm not putting Purdue at one. Okay. Let's, let's clarify that. Okay. I think I had them at four. Gotcha. So, I mean, you're ranking Purdue high whereas they haven't had any postseason success, whereas you're punishing Kentucky because they haven't had postseason it's success. It's not postseason success. They were a six seed last year. I've got them in that range again this year. They're, they're number 25. That would, if you average it all out, that would have them as a six seed again this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the exact same thing. Like they did what they, And they did what a six seed was supposed to do last year. They won a first-round game, and they got beat in the second round. Uh, and like, to be fair, like I did not punish them for having the Purdue thing last year. They were a two seed that got beat by a 15 two years ago, and I had them right back at preseason number two last year. So I, I did kind of what I did with Purdue. So you were a little wary of them this year, putting them at four. What do you mean? Like if you put them at two last year, and then or I put them at twenty five this year. Purdue? No, no, no. I, I'm talking about Kentucky. Yeah, no, I was talking about Purdue. You, so you're a little wary on them too because you put them lower this year than you did last year. No, no, no. I put Kentucky at two last year is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Like, I'm saying if you're Sorry. saying, like, I, I I, should punish Purdue for losing to a first round. Like, I didn't do that with Kentucky last year. They I lost to a 15 seed in St. Peter's, and then I turned right around, and I was like, people are all down on them because they lost one game in the NCAA tournament where kooky things can happen. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be good, and they, they were fine, but they weren't really good. Uh, the same guy, I mean, first of all, arguing that Purdue shouldn't be ranked is a If you want to say they shouldn't be, like, top five or whatever, or they shouldn't be number one, fine. 
saying they shouldn't be in the top 25 when they were a one seed last year and brought back everybody from that team. That's just the I mind. I think is outrageous. That's just the mindset of everybody knows what's going to happen in the tournament. Purdue's going to crumble at some point. So. And, and, and they probably will. They probably won't go to a Final Four. That's their pedigree. But saying they shouldn't be right. And this guy is saying there's no logic in idiots like you reasoning. Everybody in the country should have Purdue top 25. Every computer ranking in America has them number one. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's right. But you know why? Because they're one of the only teams, if not the only team in the country, with a guy that's seven foot four, seven foot five. And the same guy says, and then you say a freshman team hasn't done anything since last year, LMAO. Bama was a one seed. It's been a narrative. I said that. I said that exact same thing. <laughs> they flamed out early in the tournament. They also were the only exception to that rule. There was one true freshman in college basketball last year who was in the top 100 of scoring. He just happened to be like maybe the best player in the country. That helped out. Now, Bam had some other good freshmen around him, but when the tournament came around, they fell flat on their face. Texture says, uh, how many times has Calipari teams ended the season in the top five after starting there? Well, I mean, 2012, for sure. I know they were in, hell, they were preseason number one when, or number two when, then went to the NIT in 2013. And there's been a lot. I mean, this is the first time since Calipari got there that they've started a season outside the top 15. Mm-hmm. So this is rarefied air. And maybe that's why it's bugging Kentucky fans so much because, you know, typically they get, they kind of get the, I don't want to say Bama football because Bama football is never outside the top five preseason, but they get, they get that type of benefit of the doubt where people are like, even if I don't think the roster is that good, even if I've got issues with them being overly reliant on freshmen in this day and age, it's Kentucky. Slot him in there at number nine or slot him in there at number 11. Right. And this year's the first time where people are like, I, I, th- I think Cal's kind of lost it a little bit. Texture says, uh, Scoots, yes, they can count those types of things. Cosmic background radiation of radio waves left over from the Big Bang is how scientists put an approximate age on the universe. The field of astronomy has significantly advanced. Even in the last decade, the future of the field is exciting. See, this is one of the people that I just defer to. I, I agree that the future of the field is exciting, but all that just went way over my head. And I know I'm tiny, and that's not hard to do, so I'll make the joke for you. But, yeah, I don't understand any of it. Texas, in the middle of all these UK texts, I do love that in the middle of it, we just get, it amazes me that people still lay no blame at Payne or coaching staff at last year's failure and act like anything better than four wins is success. We're going to get to Kenny Payne. We're going to get to Kentucky. Texas says, Mike, you're the only reasonable person in this conversation. This UK roster is no more special than the last several years. UK fan, another text, UK fans notoriously do this in every way. They do it in football now, too. They finally had a couple good seasons, and now every August we hear about how this is the year that they're going to win the East. Two months ago, they were hearing that they were going to win 10 to 11 games. Now they may lose their third in a row. They've got, I mean, there's some of that in football. I do feel like it's more reasonable with UK football fans. Um, they also like the thing, only thing that bugs me about the UK football diehard, and I've got a couple friends who are like this, is the second they have that game like they did against Georgia, it's like we suck. Who cares? Of course, this is going to happen. Like it's a it's it's a complete reversal of where they were at the, from the beginning of the season, and that kind of bugs me a little bit. That I mean, that's coming from an Indiana fan who has done the same exact thing for his whole entire life. That's just protecting your heart, you know. I mean, it really does bug you. But if you tell people and, and on the outside that you don't care and you're done with it, 
just makes it all easier to deal with. Yeah, but you guys haven't had. <laughs> this is, I mean, it's gonna sound mean, but you guys haven't had the type of uh, of expectations that UK fans have. You, oh, absolutely. I not. mean, besides twenty twenty one, there was no expectations going into that though. Yeah, I mean, besides well, twenty twenty, you had the good year. Twenty twenty one, twenty one, your preseason yeah. top fifteen, and we won what two games? Right. I think that's the only, maybe the only time in my lifetime that Indiana has been a preseason top twenty five team. Mm-hmm. UK has at least been preseason top twenty five a handful of times in recent years, and there's been that, you know. Could we take that next step? Could we do this? Could we do that? But historically, you they oh, haven't. Historically, yeah. historically, they haven't seen that next step. So I just think putting that out there that I don't care, I'm done with it. That's just just trying to protect your heart a little bit. It was way worse way back in the day where like you got to a point like when I was in college, where it almost felt like, I mean maybe it's how UK fans felt against us the last couple of years, but you had kind of nothing to gain in those games against UK because they were always doing the thing where. We played them at the beginning of the year, and they're like, this game doesn't even matter. Like, you know, it's it's all about the SEC. And or, or either that or they would do, like, the we suck anyway. Like, who sucks? <laughs> Their student section has, like, the win or lose, we still booze t-shirts. And you're like, well, this isn't, you know, they're acting like. But if they win, if they beat you, it's the greatest thing in the entire world. And, like, oh, two, let's point and laugh at Louisville preseason top 25. We came in there and whooped their ass. Like, it just, it, it sucked when you lost to them. When you won, they would do, like, the who cares? Everybody beats us. Also funny in 2002 that they're wearing we lose, we booze shirts when they couldn't booze until this year. You could booze. Legally. Though. You could. I mean, I, I, I drank heavily <laughs> in the Kentucky student section. In a Gopatino t-shirt. Young and dumb Mike, back in 04. Texas says, uh, Kentucky fan angry, radio man think other teams better. No like radio man, radio man dumb. <laughs> Texas says, I saw a, a, a car with UK and Ohio State stickers, loser, on my way back to work this morning. If I ever saw a car with IU and UK stickers on it, I would just assume it was Scoots. He loves the cats. No. No? <laughs> but I have softened up on the cats, admittedly. It's, I grew it'd up, be hard not to I, for you. I, I, well, and, and it's that and just getting older and realizing that it's really not all that serious. Like I was a UK hater as a no, kid growing up. It's but serious, Scoots. My dad's a Kentucky fan. My mom's a Hoosier. So oh, that does make we, it a we had different. we had the car driving around when I was a kid that had the you know, like the heartbroke sign. You got like the the zigzag in the middle, Indiana, Kentucky, like House Divided. House divided. Yeah, we had all that stuff. So for me, I have softened up on Kentucky, admittedly. I don't hate them. Hate out I mean, I also learned that hate's a pretty strong word. So I stopped hating them. Now I I don't know. I'm not even to the point anymore where I dislike them, which is really weird for me i hate house divided flags i hate them so much <laughs> pick a side or just have like the individual flags i don't I don't need to know that you guys have this w- weird working relationship come on get over it i mean if, if you are because i like the texter i do know people that do the whole like i'm a kentucky basketball but florida state football fan mm-hmm. i always have been like you know you had less of that now since kentucky's gotten good at football which i mean be more bandwagon you can't but if i ever saw anybody that was like a iu uk fan like it realistically you can't do that first of all the 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 same basic profile where they're both basketball schools that have struggled in football historically second like you just no you you can't do that you can't i'm root for one i would argue that my dad's kind of that way but is it like you know you have to have a favorite like you've got i mean kentucky is his favorite but when they play you have to be like i'm cheering for kentucky You, you can do the whole thing i think it's it's sort of strange where you do that i mean kentucky indiana less so than like louisville kentucky where you do the I, you know, I root for Louisville in every game but one, but you have to actually say, like, I don't care when Kentucky and Indiana play. You can't do that. You, you, you've got to pick a side. You, get, you have to be. Yeah, he would, I think he would pick a side on that. The best house divided flag, I'm sure somebody listening has seen this too. Every day, you know, I, I go down 
Hubbard's to take my kids to school. And, and we go to Hubbard's a lot. It's, it's real near our house. There's a, a house on the right-hand side that has one of those house-divided flags, mm-hmm. but it's Nebraska and TCU. What? And I'm just like, how did you get here? I, I, I'm fascinated by the backstory. What led a Nebraska TCU couple where to you, Hubbard's Lane in the heart of St. Matthews in Louisville, Kentucky? Well, and where are you getting a TCU Nebraska house divided? I don't know. Is that? I mean, that does. That's not a natural rivalry, is it? Well, no. I mean, the, the, no. They're both in the Big Twelve now. So that had to be custom made. Yeah, I think there's a website that does it. There's oh, also okay. there's a Twitter account that's like a bot that will tweet out a new house divided thing, like a fake one mm-hmm. every hour. But it's any team in any sport, so it'll be like house divided Chicago Bulls. Like Rio Grande Valley River Snakes from like the <laughs> AFL or something, and it's it, some of them make me laugh. Some of them are just you know, nonsensical. But TCU Nebraska, I see it every day, and I'm like, not only do they, <laughs> like, not only are they a TCU Nebraska house divided family, they want everybody to know it. They're displaying it proudly for the entire city to see. All this, all this house divided talk makes me realize I need to get one for me and my roommate. Steelers Bengals one. No, oh, you and Gil be good. Steelers Bengals. That's a, that's a terrible one. You can't be a house divided Steelers Bengals. Why not? I just, they're, they're bitter rivals. I mean, you guys aren't married, so it doesn't really. I matter. mean, Indiana Kentucky not bitter bitter rivals. They are true. I guess so. I mean, I just wouldn't want to broadcast it. I don't know. No, that's almost like decorations. We don't have many decorations, so it could be just one more thing. People always ask the question, you know, growing up around here, you know, could you be married to? Somebody from the other side. I do think it's funny that both Roush and Walker are married to like unapologetically pretty significant Louisville fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, Roush's wife played volleyball at U of L. Yep. So and, and his whole family is like on the U of L coaching staff now. So you've got that combination. So people are like, could, could you do it? I'm like, I, mean, I guess. Like, I, if it was, I'd have a hard time in Nick Roush's situation. Like, he's a good <laughs> sport about it. He goes to U of L volleyball yeah. game. I mean, he wore a Brahm Squad shirt to our first game. Like, I would have a very hard time. Mary, when I first when we first started dating. Like the, the, one of the first times we started hanging out, it was like the U of L UK. They had a watch party at her old house for the game in, in 08. And she, I think she wore a UK t shirt, but she wore a U of L. She like didn't care. She wore a U of L shirt at the game before. She kind of, you know, she's from an area of the state where most people are Kentucky fans, but she just didn't care. And then like we started dating and she became like diehard. Like now she's, she's very diehard. I think she gets as revved up for the UK games as I do, which is saying something. Like if it were the other way around, if she was, I could be. I think I could marry marry to Kentucky fan who just sort of was like a passive fan, like didn't care that much. But if they were, if they were gonna throw it in my face when UK beat U of L, I honestly don't know if I could do it. I really, yeah. it, it sounds ridiculous. I don't know if I could handle it. No, I'd, I'd be in the same boat. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to hear any type of guff like that. Yeah, we can't. You can't smack talk. But I feel like TJ and Hannah kind of have that relationship. I feel like they. I feel like if if U of L is gonna beat UK, Hannah's gonna let them know about it. Maybe he's just more mature. Yeah, than interesting. Me. I've never thought about it. Texas said, I'm not saying that UK is going to win at all. Oh, this is the guy who's, who called me an idiot. Uh, when doing preseason ranking teams with a Hall of Fame coach, four potential first-rounders type of program like UK warrant a higher ranking than 25. Preseason rankings never hold true. Look at what you have. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's obvious. I mean, I don't – maybe they finish worse than 25. I, I'm, that's just what I think. I mean, first of all, you saying Purdue shouldn't be in the top 25, I think invalidates any argument <laughs> you have after that. I'm not really listening to anything else after true. that. True. Texas, that should be the UK's football tagline. By midseason, it's time to protect our hearts. <laughs> this does sort of feel like a protect your hearts game for them this weekend. Oh yeah. If you, I mean, if you Big beat time. if you beat Tennessee, you're back to having the type of season that you thought was possible at the beginning. I feel like we're. I think I said this yesterday. We're in similar spots for for this game. I mean, I think for Louisville to have 
anything resembling a dream season or a great season, you probably need to win this game this weekend. And if not, you start thinking about damage control and then eventually beating Kentucky in the last game of the regular season and getting that rivalry back on track. If you're UK, I mean, you went into this thinking, you know, we could be nine and three, maybe ten and two if everything falls right. Uh, I know they still have to play Bama. Eight and four would have been a good would be a good season for them. If you lose three in a row, and God forbid you lose to handily to Tennessee, then all of a sudden you're like, damn. I mean, we've got a couple toss-up games left. We're probably not going to beat Bama. And then Louisville is going to be more of a challenge, should be more of a challenge than they have been in years past. Mm-hmm. Like, we may be kind of up against it here. This could be a, a not just a step back, but a big step back for us. I, I do feel like this is a protect-your-hearts kind of game for them this weekend. You know, before the Georgia game, and I've got to give him some credit, James Spears, as you call him. James. He said that before the Georgia game, he said that Kentucky has a very realistic chance of not winning another game. And I thought he was crazy. I called him out at the time. I was like, John, you're nuts. They play South Carolina. I mean, their schedule's pretty difficult moving forward. So um, the more games that go along, if they lose this weekend, yeah, they very well may not win another game. Because they're, I mean. Which would be crazy. Because they're, I mean, look, they're, after this week, heavy on the road. Their only other home game is, yeah. is Bama. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State, I feel like you know, he's probably better than. but you They play don't play there. well there. They, they don't play there their, at all. South Carolina, they've had their number, uh, but they do have to go down to uh, to Columbia. Um, and then they got to play at Louisville. God, I mean, as much as I love seeing Kentucky lose, if they're riding like a six-game losing streak going to us, like I'm, I'm going to have more nerves for that game because I don't, I don't want to be the one. Like Even when we've lost six in a row, you can't beat us. Like That would just – And you would give them bowl eligibility? That would suck. They have five, are they – I think they have five, yeah. We've been in that situation before, and thankfully, like the first two years that we moved the series to the end of the of the season, we kept them from being bold, and it was awesome. Like that was great, but I don't know if I'd be able to handle it if we ended the Jeff Brom year one that was so good (laughs) for so long with a loss to Kentucky that got them bowl eligible. That'd be a bitter pill to swallow. Uh, I was trying to look at the uh, once again. It seems like our site's down. The Kenny Payne uh, does it ever work? I mean, God, like legit. We have not had an issue for months, and in the last two days, when I've needed something to actually get off the site, it is is bit me in the ass here. But uh, we we didn't have. We'll get to the Kenny Payne stuff coming after after the break. I'm gonna try to find some audio. Hopefully, we can play it. It's not that long. Their podium time. I will say there was an update to the the L. Ellis story that we talked about yesterday. It kind of took off on the, the the Louisville Twitter sphere. Arkansas fans seem to have discovered it today where LLS is quoted by their 24-7 sports writer as, as talking about every time we've got film, they throw little Louisville clips in. I'm used to it. I don't mind it. What happened at Louisville doesn't matter anymore. Eric Musselman did, did say in the story that he showed them clips of Louisville's loss to Lenore Ryan before their exhibition game to make sure that they weren't overlooking uh, UT Tyler. LLS responded today to, to my tweet, and he's kind of like denying, I, I guess, the quotes that he said. Hmm. Um the exact, I'm trying to make sure that I don't, it's a short tweet, but he said, um, that's not what I said or what goes on. So he's denying the quotes and also denying that that Musselman is showing them Louisville film. Hmm. So that's L. Ellis' side of the story. He's saying not true. He's calling shenanigans on this 24-7 sports writer. Who knows? I mean, look, L. said some stuff in the past that weren't that wound up not necessarily being true. Maybe this is true. Maybe it's not. Who knows? Uh, I do think, I mean, I can't imagine that Eric Musselman is lying about showing the team film from Louisville's loss to Lenore Ryan no. to get them ready for that game. But my guess is that the, the the part of the story that Ellis takes issue with 
is him saying, like, they always throw in little Louisville clips and stuff like that. Maybe he was misquoted or, or misheard. Because the implication was that every time that Arkansas is showing film, they're like, here comes the Laugh at Louisville segment of film session. Let's <laughs> look at what these dumbasses were doing last year in the Duke game. Here we go. Roll the film. Like That's kind of the, 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 the sense that you get. And I can't imagine that that's actually what's happening. I hope to God that that's not actually what's happening. But that story has definitely taken off. But LL is saying uh, he was misquoted. It's not what goes on. Who knows what the actual truth is. Uh, We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Kenny Payne and J.J. Trainer and Mike James, what they had to say in Charlotte today at ACC Media Day. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on Back in Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Happy Hump Day to you. Hump Day. Less than a week away from Halloween. Scoots, what was your? Uh, Do you have a childhood Halloween costume that stands out to you? Looking back on it now. Uh, childhood, no, but Adult I had Halloween one costume? in college. My okay. sophomore year of college, my favorite Halloween costume ever was. You remember when the video "Hide Your Wives, Hide Your Kids" video oh, was yeah, big? For sure. So I went as him, Antoine as. As for Halloween one year, I had the big like wig with the long hair. I had the bandana over the hair. I hope you I had didn't the, do anything to the skin. I had the black wife beater. Okay. Um. Yeah, it was awesome. That was my favorite Halloween costume ever. That's safe. I think that's until safe. this year. The okay. one I've got this year lined up. You, if I go through with it, is gonna is gonna top it. You're not willing to say on the on the air. I'm just hesitant. My brother's listening. You don't I want to give away a surprise. I don't want him to know because we're supposed to do a Halloween poker party on Saturday night. Oh, I like that so, idea. Yeah. I'm going to come in with my costume. They're all going to be intimidated. So I just, I don't want to risk him hearing, you know. I did, this is uh, tooting my own horn here. I, I did make the local news at Boo with the Do twice as a kid. Wow. Not, not just once, but twice. For the costume? For the costume. Well, I mean, I think it was also just like random. One year I was dressed as Snoopy. Okay. And, which, I, I, I kind of liked off the beaten path Halloween costumes. I was Santa Claus one year. That was great. <laughs> but the, the other time, fantastic. the other time that I, I made the news was, it was during the '94 MLB strike, and, and I was a big, I was big into baseball at this point in time. So I dressed up as a baseball player, and I was holding up like a picket sign, like a, as, a, as a baseball player <laughs> on strike, which I, I thought was at the time very creative. Yeah. But I mean, you're right. There, like, there is a point. I feel like you have to when you talk about best costumes. When you think about it, you have to sort of divide it between that childhood time and then your adult time because the worst time to be the worst time in your life for Halloween. Is like that, those teenage years, right after you're too old to trick or treat, but you're too young to go to like fun Halloween parties and stuff. And so when you're like 13, 14, 15, I feel like there's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. You just kind of, you know, I guess I hang out at the house and hand out candy, or you know, every now and then I feel like friend would have people over and you'd like, you know, roam the street, just kind of like walk around and not really do anything. Like those years kind of sucked. 
As a kid, it was great. Then it sucks for a little bit of time, basically through high school. And then you get to college, and it's the greatest weekend of the entire college no year doubt. every year. No it's incredible. Like, you know, I mean, I, I was like, honestly, I don't know. I, don't, I guess I hadn't heard about it. This is pre-internet days, basically, when I'm going to college. I didn't realize how big of a deal it was going to be until it actually came. Like this is this is incredible. Like like this is this is the great. Why don't we do this every weekend? Let's just dress up and and have gigantic parties and get hammered. This is great. <laughs> and then even after college, you you have those first few years of, you know, being a twenty something and you, you you're not married and you're going to you know, some friend would have a Halloween party and you always go over there. Yeah, I feel like we had like five Halloween parties in the early twenties. Like it was just it was like Halloween month. It was always great. And I always had the same thought. Which is, can we just do this like one random weekend in May? Just like, just get dressed up in costumes. It's so much more fun for whatever reason yeah. to play these drinking games and do this dumb bleep when you're wearing a stupid costume. Like, this is this is incredible. I couldn't tell you the last Halloween cost or Halloween party I've actually even been to. So that's maybe why I can't rattle off more costumes. I do get invited to one every year. TJ has one every year, but he oh, always another party that I'm not gonna always to. always does it on a Friday night when he knows I have broadcasts. So I can never go. I go to John Ramsey has a big one every year, but that, like that's different than the twenty something party. Like not many people are dressing up. You're not. Oh, that's lame. But, but it's it's fun. Like, he has a band. He does it big. Like the, you don't dress up, you can't come in. Well, them's the rules. I haven't been to any of those. I think since I, I feel like we did one maybe the first year I was married. But once you get into like your thirties and everybody's having kids, I feel like you get back to kind of like the it's the more wholesome Halloween. Like you may have a party to go to where you drink a little bit, but it's not. It's not the way it used to be where like I'm playing 75 games of flip cup in a wolf outfit and it's before we go to the bars. It's great. Like that it was yeah. I I'm dressed up as uh who's the what's the Allstate guy? Uh the 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 danger guy. What, mayhem? Mayhem. Like I'm dressed up as Mayhem playing beer pong. You know how mu- you know how much money he makes a year? I can't imagine. I, at last this was probably 4 or 5 years ago when I looked, but at the time he was making 500,000 a year. Just to be in those commercials. I knew that. What a life. I knew Lily from, is she T Mobile? Is that right? ATT. I knew that her pay was like astronomical. She She needs way more than what she's getting. (laughs) Like five times what she's getting, she's worth. She's trash. She is. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She's something. Great actress. We love Lily. Uh, But yeah, it, it. Flo also gets 500000 for what it's worth. I feel like the internet kind of pulled the curtain back on those people because you're like, oh, this, these commercial actors, like, oh, what a terrible life. Having to do. And then you're like, oh, they have like seven commercials a year and they're making a million dollars. Well, you remember the two lame guys from Sonic that just sat in the car and did those commercials? Yes. That everybody thought was so funny. I thought were so lame. Those guys got 250000 a year. Did they really? Yeah. It's good work if you can find it. No kidding. I guess. Man. We should start. We, we need to do that. We need to get into commercial acting. I'd like to get into voice acting. I've said that for years. You could do that. Mm-hmm. I think just don't know where to start. Well, I mean, I I did voice the U of L basketball and Louisville Bats intro videos one year. I, I remember that. Didn't get paid for either one of them. I was actually was let that it, was that two years ago? It was two years ago. I led yeah. them both to historically bad seasons. I uh, went we I went to the U of L Duke game that year. That was Coach K's last year. Yeah, it was, and you got to hear me. I did, and then we lost. Pretty much every time. Yeah, it was bad. The only good thing about us being so bad last year is now, like, I wasn't the voice of the worst Louisville basketball season of my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> like the second worst season, the most tumultuous, maybe, but not the all-time worst. Uh, speaking of Louisville basketball, it, I, I, there's no video from Kenny Payne's time at Media Day today. I couldn't pull it up. What? I, I, I know it's not out there yet. I'm assuming it, there will be. I Did you search for Operation Basketball or ACC stop. Media Day? <laughs> stop. I mean, you just searched the wrong thing. I just searched for Kenny Payne, <laughs> and there's there's nothing out there right now. 
I'm assuming it will come up. I watched a little bit of it as it was happening on the AC Network. Like I said, they cut away after 45 seconds to do a like a a, a, a desk segment on North Carolina basketball. I, I get that Louisville is not the biggest draw this year, but you still thought there would be. We it's still Louisville for God's sake. They would have some a lot of time. Basically, the the only thing that I caught from reading the transcript of his comments during his podium time was one he started the answer to every question with, that's a great question. It was a lot of great questions from the AC Media Day. He was very impressed with the questions. Second, I thought it was interesting that you've got so many people out there. We talked about the divide amongst the fan base. And, you know, one group is definitely saying every time that something gets brought up, let's stop talking about last year. Why are you bringing up last year? Last year's done. Move on, move on, move on. In his opening sort of spiel today, Kenny Payne talked about how he brings up last year every day. He doesn't want the team to forget. Like he he wants them to remember that this is a program that has so much uh, such a proud history, and that went four and twenty eight last season, and that were thoroughly embarrassed from start to finish. Like he wants them to carry that weight into this year. And I was kind of like, hmm, if Kenny Payne's saying he's talking about last year all the time, maybe we should be thinking about last year a little bit more. It's it's hard to just gloss over it, but uh, I, I get why fine fans would have a different mindset than the coaches. J.J. Trainer and Mike James, I thought, did a really good job. Again, from what I read from the transcript, not from, from anything that I've, I've seen with their breakout interviews, um, they handled themselves the way that you expect. Those two kids, I've never heard a, a bad word about either one thus far. J.J.'s been here for what feels like 75 years. Mike's <laughs> been here for three years. And, and they, they handled themselves very, very well. And they, ta- you know, they said the right things. They, they talked about you know, being the two of the only mainstays through one of the most tumultuous periods in the history of Cardinal basketball and how, you know, if they can get through that, they want to be the start of something great. And this year's team has the better culture and all that stuff. There wasn't any smoking gun. There rarely is. It's rare that media day produces a just crazy statement or like, Oh my God, I can't believe that that happened. It's typically players and coaches coming out and trying to, to make as little of a splash as possible and just, just say the right things, especially when you're in a position like Louisville is the, I guess the one tidbit that's kind of out there today that has had Louisville fans talking has nothing to do with like media day at all. And I don't know if you've seen this, Scoots. The Athletic, they do this every single year where their college hoop staff, their full-time college basketball people, Dana O'Neill, Brendan Quinn, some of the other guys, they do a coaching tiers thing where they divide, basically it's, it's exactly what it sounds like, they divide the coaches into tiers. They rank them, and I think it goes from like one to seven. Best coaches in college basketball are in tier one. The worst coaches in college basketball are in, in tier seven. And it's notable to our discussion today, and this is going to be, a, a, I mean, if TJ's listening now, his head's going to just blow up and he's going to go crazy. Uh, they dropped John Calipari from tier one this year for the first time. Whoa. He's now a tier two coach, according to the athletic College. Is that just because Dan O'Neill hates UK? Is that is that the thing? Maybe. Yeah. She, Brendan Quinn. He's a Michigan State. Guy. Everybody anymore hates UK. They just hate UK. Everybody yeah. just. Everybody has it out for you. Yep. If you don't have them preseason top five, it's because you hate UK. Yep. Can't possibly be because they haven't been a preseason top five, a, a legit top five team the last seven years. But whatever. So here's what here's what they had to say about Calipari. Let's get right at it. Calipari is the only coach with a national championship who's not in tier one. Go mad, Big Blue Nation. <laughs> reminiscent of this exercise a year ago when we debated and dithered about Jim Beheim and Bob Huggins, slotting Calipari proved to be tricky. He's won and taken three schools to a Final Four, asterisk be damned, but none of that has happened in nine long years. Insiders argued both sides of the coin. 
that Kentucky has every available resource, but having every available resource makes it that much harder to realize outsized expectations. That Cal has been dogged for being a bad coach unfairly, but sometimes schematically, he's not a great coach. One source called watching Kentucky last year brutal, while another argued he probably gets hated on too much. The bottom line, as Cats fans know all too well, is there has been nearly a decade's worth of disappointment of stacked rosters moving on to the draft, but not moving on in the NCAA tournament. With the talent they have, it's not good enough for Kentucky, and it's not good enough for him, an analyst said. The good news for Calipari, nothing is forever, as the transiency of Tier 2 this uh, this year proves. Three coaches checked out and six moved in. Shaka Smart, Greg McDermott, Nate Oates, Brian Dutcher, Jim Larnega, and Randy Bennett. There you go. That's, that's pretty much the spiel there on Calipari being a Tier 2 coach, hmm. according to The Athletic. So the, the Tier 1 coaches, they've got, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Would you care to venture a guess as to who the eight are? Bill Self. Bill Self is in there. Tier one coach. Um, my gosh, why am I blinking on names? Um, you got to go Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo's in there. Uh, I would probably. I would move Izzo down before I move Calipari down. That's me taking up for Kentucky fans. A Surely bit. they don't have Painter in tier one, right? They do not have Matt Painter okay. in tier one. That would have been a shock. Um, what about Mick Cronin? Mick Cronin's in tier two. Okay. Um and Nate Oates is in tier two too. Nate Oates is in tier okay, two. So you gotta have Musselman in tier one. Musselman's in tier two. Seriously? Yeah. No, I'm out. I can't I no, I can't do it. Tony Bennett, Virginia. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Scott Drew from Baylor. I always forget about Scott Drew. This is Kentucky fans are gonna roll their eyes at this. Mark Few from Gonzaga. <laughs> I, know, I roll my eyes I at know, that. You, you're a Gonzaga hater. Uh they moved Danny Hurley. After winning the national title into Tier 1. Okay, that makes sense. Which I actually agree with. I think mm-hmm. he's the real deal. Izzo, who you mentioned. Rick Pitino. Oh, old Ricky P. Bill Self, who you also mentioned. And then lastly, Kelvin Sampson at Houston. Which just, also is going to stick you I've, right in the heart. I've tried my whole life to forget about him, so no surprise I did it here. I'm shocked that Kelvin Sampson's been this good at Houston. I I'm thought, not. I mean, I, mean I, like, I knew he was fine. I thought he was a weird hire at Indiana. But even before like the... Which you know, Indiana fans have every right to be pissed off about the way that that era ended. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, he was texting people after midnight—a rule that quite literally like didn't exist when he got punished for it. Um, he, he wasn't having a ton of success before that. Like he was fine, but he, you know, he wasn't. Maybe he was just building. Maybe we're seeing that. But he's definitely—I mean, he's a hell of a coach. He's been great at Houston. You know, what really stings at me is the fact that if none of that went down with Kelvin Sampson, where would Indiana be today? It's a big one. You know what I mean? Sure. Like. God, it frustrates me so much. We talk about, you know. They would have won the championship that year. I'm convinced. You think? Yeah, absolutely. We talk what ifs. You know, last week we had the conversation. The question came up, biggest what if in Louisville basketball history, biggest what if in, in football. And I kind of asked you some ones for Indiana. That's definitely that, a big one that we didn't discuss. That is number one. Absolutely. What if Kelvin Sampson didn't get fired? Mm-hmm. What if Bob Knight doesn't get fired? Well, Bob Knight needed to be fired. He was already on the downside. Yeah, that was anyway. that. He was overdue to be fired. That was like a Sean Miller type deal. And he's been, like, if we if he's winning, he can choke all the kids he wants. And he's been grumpy ever since. Grumpy's one word. Yeah, <laughs> but the the real reason, if we scroll all the way down to the bottom of the article and you go to the tier seven coaches, no, Kenny Payne is down there uh, in, in tier seven. God, I mean, you know, I'm seeing like tier six. It's like the Longwood coach. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> Jesus. Uh, Tony Stubblefield from DePaul is tier Who's six. Who's in tier seven with him? Tier seven, you've got Dan Inglestad from Mount St. Mary's. Okay. Mike Hopkins from from Washington. Once the golden boy uh, for, of Jim Beheim. Yeah, he hasn't done anything. They had a good first year. They've sucked ever since. And, and he will very much get fired if they're not better this year, which I don't think they're going to be. 
Jared Haas from Stanford, he's been bad out there. Ben Johnson at Minnesota, who replaced Richard Pitino and has promptly done nothing. Mm-hmm. And then Wayne Tinkle at Oregon State, who is a miracle run in the Pac-12 tournament and then NCAA tournament away from already being fired a couple of years ago. So here's what they have to say about the Tier 7 coaches. And then, of course, Kenny Payne from Louisville. The, they start this tier description by saying this. So these guys are basically getting fired next year, right? <laughs> That's how one industry insider categorized Tier 7. And, well, yes. That's where we are with the coaches who desperately need to find some semblance of success to stay employed. The question here isn't if it's bad. That's obvious. It's why. In some cases, Jared Haas at Stanford, Wayne Tinkle at Oregon State, the jobs are not easy. Then again, it's not going to get easier for Haas if he's around when the Cardinals move to the ACC. Tinkle did make the bubble Elite Eight in 2021. It's crazy how quickly perceptions and narratives can change, one administrative source said. Then again, he followed that up with three and 11 win seasons. Mike Hopkins and Kenny Payne have, on the other hand, been gifted strong programs with a history of success. They then talk about Hopkins for a little bit and him being in a, in a program where expectations aren't that high but still pretty high. And then they, they say this about Kenny Payne. It may seem premature to turn on the flames under Payne's seat. He's only in his second season at Louisville and inherited a team that has been through a thing or two, or two except, and then it goes to a quote, I had one of their games, and I think it was the worst shoot-around I've ever witnessed, one analyst said. It was shocking. Messing up the scouting report, guys running into each other, not knowing what they were doing in drills. It was a disaster. The Cardinals lost by an average of 11.9 points per game, including by plus 26 times and more than 30 twice. The entire season was an abject disaster. (laughs) Not a great quote when you— Not untruthful either, though. Also, I mean, not the first time that I've talked to people that have been in the business and have said similar things about watching Louisville go through practices or watching Louisville go through warm-ups. And again, this is this is last year. If you want to say that was last year's team, it was all about the players. I, I think it's hard to put. We're supposed to talk about last year, remember? Uh, this, is what Kenny, this, is what, this is what Kenny wants. We're just doing what Kenny wants here <laughs> on the show. I think it's tough to put the honest when it comes to stuff like this about not knowing scouting reports and not knowing how to go through basic drills and, and looking overall disinterested. That has to at some point that has to be at least partially on the coaching staff. Now, if he's just got a bad a group of bad eggs, sure, but at some point you say this man's paid multiple million dollars to take kids that maybe have bad attitudes or maybe need to be in you know, areas of improvement, whether it's on the court, off the court, whatever, and get the most out of them. And clearly last year it didn't happen. If it doesn't happen again this year, then I think you've got to make a move. But hearing it, and this is an analyst who's who's not saying it under his own name. He's, he's kind of giving the quote anonymously. It still is discouraging. Mm-hmm. I know we're talking about last year, but you know, hearing that players are just, you know, it, it's just one more thing. And Did you find that surprising? No, not at all. Okay. I mean, hearing from, I mean, I, I look. I've alluded to it. I think I've, I've I've said a couple of times what people have told me since the beginning of this whole thing, and it, it's a, for the most part, a pretty common. People say the same types of things when it comes to what they've witnessed and what they've heard, and it's not just you know what they've witnessed with their own eyes. I mean, I, I talk to people that do do games on ACC Network or do games for ESPN, and that talk to other coaching staffs, and I mean. I won't go into specifics because there's no point. But suffice it to say, like the rest of the league is not in fear of Louisville right now. There's just there's there's not a whole lot of fear that that this program is on the verge of doing something great or on the cusp of taking steps towards being back. It's just you know they 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 don't think they, not everybody 
I think there's one specific coach who does really think that Kenny Payne's got the goods and is going to turn around. But by and large, there's not a lot of fear out there in the league uh, about the direction that Louisville's headed, which is, I mean, kind of understandable. Mm-hmm. And it, it's on Kenny Payne to change everybody's minds. That's the, the, the hand he was dealt. I, I mean, there was a part of me that was surprised to see him all the way down right away. I mean, he's the only second-year coach on this list. Everybody else has had at least three or four years to to do a job and hasn't gotten it done. And it's a small list, too. I mean, you've only got six coaches down there at the bottom tier. Yeah. But, I mean, look, Louisville's not your average college basketball job. And when you come in here, regardless of the circumstances that you inherited, and you have a season that was previously like unfathomable at a place like UofL, and I do think winning four games at Louisville is, even if you were to take scholarships away, I would expect a group of walk-ons to win like five or six games at Louisville. It's, it's justified. Like, like you know, you you can't you can't do that here, and it's why when people say like I can't believe we're still talking about last year, last year's over, it's hard to just turn the page from something that was worse than you could have ever imagined in any situation in your entire life. If it had been if it had been a season on par with the one that got Chris Mack fired, I think that the fans would have had a much easier time just turning the page from oh, a 13-14 yeah. win season. Yeah. Four wins just stands out so much, yeah. and the way that. The eye test stuff, Kenny Payne talks about the eye test now with this year, not passing the eye test at any point last season, seeing the effort level continue to just remain stagnant for the most part, seeing the, the defense just not really getting any better, seeing the same the same issues offensively that were happening in early November happen in late February. It just it's hard to to kind of just just put that out of your mind, especially once again, the same conversation we had yesterday, when there's no track record with your head coach to fall back on. You can't say, well, this is a total outlier. Look at what he did when he was the head coach at Missouri State, or look at what he did when he was the head coach at UCLA. He's clearly going to turn it around because he's done it before. Like We've got nothing to base Kenny Payne's head coaching skills off of outside of last year. So it's hard not to talk about last year. It's just, it, it, it is what it is. Where did they have my boy Mike Woodson? I was, I was going to ask, where do you th- what, what tier do you think Mike Woodson currently sits in? I would say probably four. I would have guessed three, but you are correct. He's a tier four coach. Um, according to the and tier four is like the biggest it's 35 coaches and I mean you've got like kind of guys that are rising stocks and falling stocks mm-hmm. it, it's, sort of, it's sort of like how good are these guys for instance a guy like Porter Moser who went to the the final four at Loyola of Chicago gets this big conference job at Oklahoma and has just been kind of like eh whatever 34 and 33 at, at, at Oklahoma like is he more of a tier three, tier two guy, or is he more of a tier five, tier six guy? Right. Throw him in tier four, we'll find out. Like, I thought that maybe Woodson would get the benefit of the doubt for for having a couple of slightly overachieving years at Indiana, but I well, get why you would put him in the wait and see category. He, yeah, because he had TJD. So sure. I think you got to give him a year, see what he does without that star power. If now if he goes, I don't know, four or five games over five hundred this year, I think maybe you could bump him up to that tier three if they find a way to get into the tournament. But, yeah, it's one of those wait-and-see games for sure. Yeah, if IU becomes like a top-25 team this year and they end up being a top-five, top-six seed in the NCAA tournament, yeah. maybe do some damage, go to a surprise Sweet 16, then great. I think you bump them up to a like a, a Tier 3 guy. Speaking of the Tier 2 guys, you mentioned a couple when you were trying to guess the – or you mentioned a lot when you were trying to guess the Tier 1 guys. It's unbelievable. There's a few I can't believe they're not in Tier 1. Who else would you reel off? Who else comes to mind? There's only a couple that I, I kind of have issue with. Because you, you said Matt Painter, mm-hmm. he's tier two. You said mm-hmm. Eric Musselman, Nate Oates. Those are sort of like the young guns. That I think people are waiting to see if they can make that jump. 
to tier one. Well, and then we got we said Cal Perry. Cal Perry's in, t- in tier two. I mean, really, nobody else comes to mind, mate. You said Mick Cronin. He's also tier two. I would be hard pressed to believe a guy like Fran McCaffrey would be in tier two. He is not. Thank okay. God. Yeah, I would. I'm guessing Fran is in tier. Is there an angry he, I, tier? I would put him in three. He's, he's a tier three guy. Yeah, yeah. He's he's there. You've got Rick Barnes. Okay. Again, I think he probably belongs well, there. Lack of NCAA tournament success, but everything else, he checks every box besides NCAA tournament success. Yeah, that's a little questionable. Brian Dutcher at San Diego State, who just went to the national title game, has done a good job out there. They're, you know, the computer rankings love them. They, they've run the Mountain West for the last few years. I, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Sean Miller's a little interesting at Xavier. Hmm. Are we sure that this is a Tier 2 guy? Like, like, he, was, he was great at Arizona. Great at Arizona. I think he he's probably getting the benefit of the doubt here because he's been a Tier 2 guy his whole career for the most part. If, I mean, and look, he... They had a they overachieved last year. Yeah, they were good, and then they had a, you know a nice little, little mini run in the NCAA tournament, made it to the Sweet Sixteen, got pummeled there, but they they were better than anybody thought they were going to be last year. And that was his first year at Xavier, so I'm okay with it. Didn't you go to Xavier? I was at Dayton. Oh, Dayton, that's right. Yeah, big rivalry. It's not as much now because they're in different conferences, but back then it was a huge rivalry. Thad Mata was at Xavier when I was there. Hmm. We had. Dumb Brian Gregory. He was not good. I guess I guess they're like basically right after Dayton was good at basketball. It was when I ever Bummer. they went to the tournament same, my first year. Same for me in Indiana. Yeah. Don't worry, bud. We lost to DePaul. <laughs> and the irony of all ironies, we lost to DePaul in the only NCAA tournament appearance that they had in the four years that I was in college. Um Jim Laranega, I think, belongs in tier two. Miami coach. Mm, yeah. I could get behind that. I think he's great. Like like he's kind of getting the I, I did the Titus show thing a couple weeks ago and we were doing a mini ACC preview, and I was saying, like, I just expect Miami to be top four now in the conference. Like, he gets the Tony Bennett treatment for me where I don't care who they lost, I don't care who they brought in, as long as they have a couple of guys that I know are good, I expect him to get the most out of them. I mean, he got screwed by the FBI thing. I think that cost him three good years. But before the FBI thing and after the FBI thing, he's been stellar. Miami had never been to a to, to a regional final before three years ago. They've gone Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four in the last three seasons. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's, and he also kind of realizes more than a lot of people do. Like, cool, you have a big man that's, you know, the, the Matt Painter thing. Cool, you've got big men that are dominating the game. Guards are winning March. If you don't have really, really elite guards, you're not advancing anywhere. And he's gotten, gone out and gotten incredible guards that are great at scoring. He's had these terrific runs. They've got Greg McDermott from Creighton, Tier 2. I'm okay with that. Ed Cooley at Georgetown. No. I kind of feel like I mean he was good at Providence, but oh, I, I, yeah, okay, I guess I forgot he came from Providence. He came from Providence. Yeah. I, I, I do feel like you have to do a little bit more. I don't know. I mean, I think it's also funny that he calls Providence his dream job, and now he's at Georgetown. Like, are we we're using dream job really liberally here? If you, mm-hmm. if you would take like dream job means you're not leaving it for anywhere else. You can't have two dream jobs. <laughs> and he's trying to make it sound like that. The only coach that we haven't talked about they have Shaka Smart and Bruce Pearl. Down there as tier two guys. Okay. I don't really have much pushback there. No. Pearl, I think, is the worst person alive. Cooley would be the one that stands out for me. I'd probably bump him to three. Cooley's the only one that I'm like, yeah, yeah. Maybe a three guy. Well, Randy Bennett at St. Mary's, they have a tier two. Hmm. He'd, he'd be tier three, too. I love Randy Bennett, but I, I... I... I say you move all the West Coast Conference coaches down a tier. Well, you just... because they don't play anybody. You just hate the left coast. I just wish they'd play competent competition. Well, they do. They beat UK last year. That's true. 
play a good non-conference schedule every year, then you just kind of forget about them uh, every single year. When I was doing college basketball stuff, like I've always kind of like, like Gonzaga was fun. I like, like watching them for fun, but the year that they were undefeated, you know, we had to have we, we had to be ready to write if their undefeated season got bolstered. So I would be like asleep, and it'd be like one thirty in the morning, and I'd get like the text or the alert that they're down four to Pepperdine in the second half, and I had to get up and prep the story and get ready to post it if they lost. And then sure, invariably they would like roll in the last six minutes and win by ten. So I hated that like, that year, and then they ended up losing their regular season finale to BYU. It was so annoying. <laughs> All right, we gotta go to break. Five o'clock hour is up next. We'll talk more cards. We'll get to more of you on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. Stay with us here on 1450 and I may agree that the vibes are off. Trevor does this, okay. <laughs> and this is not me just like saying this because he's not here. I, I've brought this up to him several times. Trevor saves like the slowest, least upbeat for the five o'clock hour every single day. <laughs> and you know, five o'clock hour is, I don't know a lot about radio, but I, you know, we, we did, I have had instruction. I've had bosses at radio stations that have kind of, you know, laid the foundation for what you're supposed to do with an afternoon radio show. The five o'clock hour is the biggest hour. Yeah. People, people are getting their cars. They're for just sure. off work. They're they're raring to go. They want to get fired up. Bring the excitement. Whatever your big story is, whatever your hottest take is, bring it back at five o'clock. That's what you do. And every day, invariably, especially when he's had like upbeat, he'll have like some great rapid hour, to, like to start the four o'clock hour. It's that. It's like acoustic Kurt Cobain <laughs> talking about suicide. Like, right when people get in their cars, like, let's see what Rutherford's talking about. Let's see what wacky stuff Trevor's up to. I hope they make me laugh. I hope it's funny. And it's like, I hate everything. <laughs> Every day he does it. Every day. It's just the latest example. Won't happen tomorrow. Thank you. Five o'clock hour starting tomorrow is going to be hype. Thank you. Five o'clock hour is here. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Here with Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, as we... Spend some time with you on a Wednesday, get you ready as we move closer and closer to the weekend that will be Louisville taking on Duke. Card's still a four-point favorite in this game, featuring two top 20 teams. I feel like there's, and I've seen this a couple of times, and maybe we're to blame for this partially, there's just not as much buzz as there should be for a game of this magnitude. I mean, this really, I get that it's not as sexy as, as Notre Dame, or if this were a top 20 Florida State team or a top 20 Clemson team. But this is a like this really, this will define how you view the last four games of the season, the last third of this 2023 campaign. If you win, which is a great win, you, the college football playoff rankings will come out for the first time a week from now. I think it's I think it's next Tuesday night. You're probably going to be around like in that 15 to 20 range in those first CFP rankings. That'll be a cool thing. You know, just seeing your name pop up, having Reese Davis and, and Kirk Herbstreit and those guys talk about you will be cool. You'll also, more importantly, have a very realistic shot at playing for an ACC championship if you take care of business and win your last three conference games. If you lose this game, 
it doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to have like a bad season or a disappointing season. <clears throat> Excuse me. It doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to look back and be like, well, we had something great. You can still have a terrific year. Hell, if you went out and you go 10-2, and two, it'll be our first double-digit win season in a decade. There's still a lot to play for, but you likely lose out on any realistic hope of playing Florida State in the AC title game in early December, which would be a great spotlight for the program. Even if you lose, it's a great spotlight for the program. You probably lose out on a realistic shot at going to the Orange Bowl, which is where a lot of people have the cards playing in this week's bowl projections. And you start kind of turning your focus to more, I don't want to say damage control, but making sure that this doesn't go from really, really good season to, ooh, could we be veering towards the just okay season waters or, God forbid, the slightly disappointing waters if you lose to Virginia or Virginia Tech or both? I don't want that to happen. This is a, for all those reasons, this is a very big game. And I feel like you're just, every day, three weeks ago, we were getting some new story out there about Notre Dame. There was some new hype video from UofL. There was, you know, there was something to discuss. And I feel like we just haven't had a whole lot of that this week. Maybe it'll ramp up in the next 24 hours. Maybe we'll have a bunch to talk about tomorrow. The only thing that I've seen today that's a little bit new, and this is, it took some sleuthing. Somebody was downtown. Some sleuthing. Nice. Somebody was downtown, and I guess they saw that some U of L players were decked out in their full uniforms and doing like a a video shoot, which I'm guessing is going to be the uniform. Re- the, the, I don't know why I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable right there. <laughs> the uniform reveal. I, I'm assuming it's going to be for the uniform reveal video that's going to come out tomorrow. But the team, if you see, if you, the, there's still frames. If you've seen the pictures, they've been floating around on Twitter. I put a link to it on on Card Chronicle today. It's all red, red tops, red bottoms, and then a white helmet with the Heisman Cardinal bird on it. And it's sexy as hell. It's gorgeous. Like, that should get the people going a little bit. I'm excited but for that. They trying to copy off a Western from last night or what? Well, no, we had that. We had the Heisman bird on the black helmet earlier this year oh, okay. for the Murray State game. We, we did that for the, the blackout game. So, and by the way, that didn't work out well for Western last night. No. They looked good. Do you, do you see Louisville doing that maybe in the future? Something similar to that? Something wacky like position groups wearing different elements? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, maybe that'll catch on. I don't know if Western's going to be a trend center here, if they're going to be sort of on an island with this. I do, I mean, like, I'm... I mean, I just don't feel like there's that many colleges that could take advantage of that. I like when we get loose with the uniforms. Even if it's not something that necessarily I like, I, I, I enjoy the... Like, I was stoked when... Stoked. I, <laughs> I'm so young, so cool. <laughs> I was excited when the the buzz was out there when we re-upped with Adidas that Adidas was going to make us like their Oregon. Like that was the the word that was out there. And even if the like, the uniforms aren't for me, they're they're not for thirty somethings or forty somethings out there. They're, they're for the younger generation. They're for the players. They're for the recruits. They're, they're for all that good stuff. Why not get as weird with it as possible? Like we are not a traditional program in college football. Like we don't really have. A set uniform. It's not like when people think about Louisville, they think of the this iconic helmet or that iconic uniform. We basically get new uniforms every single season, and we've had a ton of different helmets just in my lifetime. So with that being the case, why not get as weird with it as possible? Why not have like twelve different uniforms in in one season? I, like I'm totally fine with that. People had varying opinions on the Murder Bird outfits that we wore for the the Auburn game back in 2016 uh, or 2015. Even though I thought it was weird. I was like, I'm, I'm leaning into it. I'm embracing it. Let's get as weird as possible. I'm, I'm all for it. I like those ideas. I like different uniforms. I always have. I, I, I'll never understand the people that complain about uniforms. Oh, it's different than last week. Ah, yeah. I mean, we won last week. We're not going to win this week. Even with basketball, I mean, I mean, Louisville is 
clearly you know, it, I can't speak to basketball. Well, you, you see basketball I don't want anything new in basketball. But you guys have like the like a, an iconic brand yeah. when it comes to like your the candy stripe pants. <clears throat> and really the uniforms like overall. Yeah. No names change. on the back. As, Indiana cross chips. Yeah, as good as Louisville has been historically and I do think they're, you know, a top 6 program all the time. They've always had kind of changing uniforms. Like we, we've never had that that one iconic look. It's always changed from, if not year to year. Now it's kind of a year to year thing. You get new uniforms every, every year. But even when I was growing up, it was kind of like a, every five or six years you had a, a new look. You went from like the block uniforms with the Cardinal Burn dunking on the shorts to you know the the feather L, which I hated, and like the bird with teeth on like the, on I the like uniforms. the feather L. I hate that. I always hated the old English L. I just I, it was never a fan. But and now we do more throwback stuff, but it's always a little bit different. So I, I, I'm fine with the uniforms getting a little bit weird too. But I mean, I guess the one big change that we ever made that people had a problem with when we went from, like you said, Indiana never has the uniforms in the back. Denny Crum never had the uniform names in the back either. When Patino changed that, there was a little bit of pushback, and I think it would have been one of those deals where if he hadn't been winning right away, people would have had far more of an issue with it. But you know, we were so desperate as a fan base for national relevancy again that when you know year one he starts off hot goes to the nit year two we're winning conference championships and, and we're a four seed in the ncaa tournament it's like you could you could put booger on the back of all their jerseys. Right. we don't we, we don't give a belief like do whatever you want and that's kind of where i think we are as a fan base now <laughs> like like yeah you know, if, if kenny payne if he never wants to talk to the media ever again and we win big this year cool i don't i don't have to hear your voice i don't i, I, I mean can, you're not missing out on much i can yeah i can forget what you sound like if that's going to bring us w's do whatever you want do whatever we have to do to get back to the point where we're winning games history be damned tradition be damned uh, at the end of the day it comes down to winning and that's what people are going to but i, I can see why you even though indiana has not been winning at a level that the fan base would like for the last however many years there are some things you just don't mess with. We still got that brand, baby. You still got the, it's like Penn State. Like even <laughs> when Penn State was sucking at football for a long time, they're not going to change the helmets. No. It's, it, it's, the, it's the Penn State helmets. Michigan's the same way. Alabama, same. Although Michigan maybe should should look at changing. I do enjoy, first of all, somebody tweeted me today. and Most of the time I don't respond to Ask Nine tweets. I'm just like, you know, you have a terrible opinion. I'm going I'm to let you live alone in your wrongness. I'm not going to engage here. But some guy today, I think it was a Duke fan, which there is a Duke football fan that exists on Twitter. Wow. And brave. he just responded. I guess he was mad about the story that I brought up in the, the first hour. I wrote, I put the story on Card Chronicle. Hey, remember the time that Duke like, got out of a, a game or three games against Louisville by successfully arguing in court that they were the worst football program in America? And he responded with, I'm assuming it's somebody who listens to the show. He's probably listening right now. He was like, keep telling yourself that the Michigan story and the Wakey League stealing story are any different than one another, big boy, something like that. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not even saying that Louisville deserved no punishment in all this, but they're entirely different. They're, they're not remotely the same thing. Michigan has a an employee who very clearly, whether he was instructed to do so or not, he was, is going out there and actively, on his own, subverting NCAA rules. He's buying tickets to games of conference opponents. He's buying tickets to games of uh, teams that they think they might play in the college football playoff or in bowl games, and he is actively trying to steal signs and successfully doing so. That's him doing that, going out there and doing that. The Wakey Leaks thing was a Wake Forest employee on his own going to, again, multiple teams. It was not just us. And willingly giving those other teams the plays. It's entirely different. 
Now, you can say, well, you know, they shouldn't have taken it. Sure. Okay, that's fine. You, you can argue that. It's not the same as going out there and, and, and cheating on your own and, and finding other stuff. It's, it's, it's totally different. Not saying it's great, but I am saying it's, there are degrees of wrong. I.e., Louisville had the work done for them. Michigan's putting in the work. Right. And I mean, it, it's like saying in the middle of a game, let's say that sign stealing was illegal in the middle of games. It'd be the difference between somebody looking at an opposing sideline and, and actively stealing their signs and one coach walking across the 50-yard line going up to the head coach and being like, hey, next play, we're going to run it off right tackle. And that coach either being like, okay, cool, let's get ready for it, or just being like, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. We're going to line up normally. I'm going to act like, like – they're, they're two very different things. But whatever. The Michigan thing continues to be very funny. I want all the information possible. People are going super-duper sleuth on this, too. Like, like You've got Tennessee fans that are going back and looking at stuff from like January of 21 and looking at all his – his flight plans and things that he was doing to potentially prepare for a game against Tennessee when it looked like they were going to be really good last year. and all like it, There's some nutso stuff out there, and I do kind of love it. The one thing that I love, because I, I mentioned yesterday, I have, a hard time, I have a hard time being overly outraged about this whole thing. Clearly, there are NCAA rules being broken. Clearly, there deserves to be some punishment. But like I said yesterday, my understanding is the rules are in place because they don't want teams to have to spend all this money to do all the scouting. They, they don't they think it'd be a little bit ridiculous, but it's it's weird that they, you can steal signs in games, but you can't, you know, whatever. I do love, though, that Michigan fans are are having to come to terms with we're kind of like everybody else, you know, because Michigan fans for so long have done this whole Michigan man standard and everybody else gets in the weeds we would never do the types of things that Ohio State does to win or that Clemson does to win or that Alabama does to win. If they lose, it's only because they're morally superior. Like That's what they've done for a long time. You had the, the one fan a couple of years ago when NIL started taking off who responded to a Notre Dame player posing in a Lamborghini being like, the day that a Michigan recruit poses in a Lamborghini is the day that I stop being a Michigan fan. And then one oh, did okay. it. One did it like two weeks later. And like they're like, well, sorry, but I guess you're not a Michigan fan. So the one thing that I have enjoyed about this whole scandal is Michigan fans having to go from like moral superiority to, to to wearing the black hat a little bit and being like, yeah, we do stuff too. See, this is one of those stories for me that, and I'm trying to think of another example that's happened recently. I know there's been one in the last few months, but for me, I'm just exhausted. I don't like. I don't want to talk about Michigan anymore. Like, let everything come out, then I'll read the whole final report. But yeah, I, I, so I'm opposite of you in that regard. I don't. I don't like go out and seek about it. I'm I'm just trying to forget about it. I don't go like, out and I seek don't... about it. It's impossible to ignore. I see yeah. it, I see it like everywhere. Well, and you're on socials more than I me am, as well. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's just exhausting. Like it I don't I don't think anything was wrong. It's definitely funny though. Yeah. I enjoy it. And and the thing about the story too is it's not going to affect them this season. Well, it, and the fact that it's Michigan, that's the only reason I feel like that it's getting played up like that. If it was any other school, I I think it's already a not a, not a talking point anymore. You're probably right. I mean, I think that, well, I mean, if it were another big-name school, I do think that you would have. Yeah, I mean, if, if you got like a Georgia, Alabama, someone that. If yeah. it were Georgia right now, coming off of all the success that, because, you know, Georgia's taken that next step. They're loose, they've gone from being the perennial you know, fifth or sixth best team in college football, always 10 or 11 wins, but never over that hump, to now being the top dogs, pun intended, that, you know, reigning, back-to-back reigning national champions. If you had this scandal affecting them, and suddenly their jump above Alabama and above Ohio State and above everybody else was a little bit tainted, I do think it would be just as big of a story. Mm-hmm. 
but th- well, so, especially for them coming off all the right. traffic citations and stuff they well, dealt too. with and all that. Yeah, that's it. You're right. The racing, but there is an element of it. Like Harbaugh's a big personality. He's finally made the leap from like he beats everybody besides his two biggest rivals to now he's beating his biggest rivals. Can he win a national title? And, and now you're seeing this, and people are like, oh, maybe this is why they've they've gotten so good. It's it's definitely interesting. I do think it's going to eventually push him to the NFL because it it also comes on the heels of their other sort of the, the hamburger deal that led to the players holding up the four and acting like he was dead in the first game. Um, it's funny to me. It, it, it's interesting. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But it's not going to affect this season. If they're good enough to win a national title, they'll win a national title, and then maybe Harbaugh will just move on. 502-414-1450 the Thornton Stacks line. We'll take some text from you guys. Uh, Texture says, I did not know that Vic Anderson's dad was murdered by Vic's stepbrother. So sad. Jesus, what a dark way to get back on the text line so sad my thoughts are with Vic no I had no idea if that's who's Vic Anderson he played running back at Louisville he was uh, a he's a star at St. X uh back in the mid-2000s and then ended up going to Louisville Biggie's freshman of the year his first year uh injuries kind of derailed he was still a very good player I we, we did a he was probably I guess like three years ago four years ago we did a, a radio show before the game uh where it was homecoming weekend against I think Syracuse and he was there and we had him on the show Vic's a cool guy. He's a really smart guy. That's that's very sad to hear. I hate that. Texture says, Mike, here's an am I the a-hole scenario for you. Okay, great. It's regarding the house divided discussion. I live in central Kentucky, and my girlfriend is from a UK fan family. Wait, we need to know the ages here. We don't, we're not going. To. <laughs> so we're gonna have to work. We're gonna have to work without that. I live in central Kentucky. My girlfriend is from a UK fan family. She says she's a UK fan but she will wear my U of L hoodies and t-shirts to what she claims is quote support me. But I've told her time and time again, I don't want a UK fan wearing U of L because it's not genuine. And I have never pushed for her to be a Louisville fan. I called her a fake UK fan because she wears U of L sometimes just because I'm a U of L fan. And she rarely goes out of her way to support UK, but she flipped out on me for saying that she was a fake UK fan. Am I the a-hole? Man, that's a tough one. That's tougher than any of the ones we've had last couple weeks. To quote uh, one of the best lines from the great Lebowski, from the, the big Lebowski, you're not wrong, Walter, but you might be an a-hole. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're definitely not wrong. She definitely sounds like a fake UK fan. Actively calling her out about it, I don't know if it is the right way to go. I mean... Well, it, besides, you know how women are picky with their clothes? If she found something she likes and is comfortable, let her wear it. Who cares? This kind of sounds like the scenario that I was talking about in the last hour, where I was like, I don't think I could date a annoying diehard UK fan, or let alone marry one, if they're gonna like, if they're gonna throw it in my face if they beat U of L. Like, I I don't know if I'd be able to handle that. But if it was like a passive, you know, I, I kind of grew up as a UK fan, but I don't really watch the games. I can't really name any of the players, and I'll cheer for U of L when they're not playing UK. I think I could be on board with that. I, I have several friends who have wives that are sort of like that. This sounds like that situation where she's not like maybe she claims that she's a diehard UK fan but she's not really and she, if she's wearing the U of L stuff and she's supporting you she's probably going to cheer for U of L when they're not playing UK mm-hmm. I think you should kind of just let her go yeah. I, I'm kind of embrace the, it yeah now if she's getting really mad about you calling her a fake UK fan and she is then that's that's another issue I think you're right that she's a fake UK fan but maybe just swallow that one yeah take the win be happy that she's not more dire Texture says, did Scoots do blackface with a costume? Don't answer that question if you did. Please don't. I'm, I don't know if I'm sure what that even is. Where you, like, paint your, your skin 
black and pretend to be like, like if you're dressing up as like Kanye West for Halloween, you like spray painted yourself. That would that's be, frowned upon. Yes, heavily. That really, would, that would be blackface. Hmm. Uh, we we did have a Halloween party where, where one time in our twenties, somebody did come. It was, it was the Kanye uh, West uh, Taylor Swift year where he like you know stole her her award at the MTV mm-hmm. and he did do blackface and everybody was like, okay, well this is why is that so. Why is that so bad? I'm going to let you Google that one. That's, okay. Yeah, that's bad. It's bad. Texture says, some of my best and most vivid memories of college are Halloween. The parties were incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, is, it, it is. There were a lot of good weekends to be in college. Halloween, I think, was the best. It was the highlight. And then after the first year where you kind of knew what to expect, I mean, I went. To, I basically started my sophomore year just counting down the days until Halloween weekend. Fair. The weekend before Christmas break was also great too, because you'd have like ugly sweater parties or Christmas parties. Like that was always a good time. Mm-hmm. And then at date in St. Patrick's Day was a huge deal. So big that you only got it once every four years. And my sophomore year was when we got it. It was great. You should have been at IU with Little Five. That was the time to be alive. I still don't know who that is. The bike race. What is that? Little Five Hundred. The Little Five Hundred. Yeah. You've never heard of Little Five. I've never heard of the Little Five. Oh my god. Is this a huge deal? It is the. I, is this a. a, a a blank space it's, for me. It's blank literally spot. a whole week of partying. I mean, that's all you do is party. You get all kinds of concerts. I think my junior year, I saw Snoop Dogg, Lil Wayne. Uh, my freshman year, Soldier Boy was there. So they do concerts like all week, Jeez. but it's just one big party. I mean, there there's people in class that bring small trash cans so they can throw up during class because <laughs> they're so hungover. I mean, it was incredible. It's unlike any weekend you've ever experienced in your entire life. Or any wow. week, sorry. I feel like I should have known about this. I, yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm flabbergasted that you've never heard That's of on it. me. Hand up. But yeah, so no, they do like a, a team-style bike race. So all, basically, it's all the fraternities and sororities, but there are local teams as well that'll form. And they've got teams of four, and they got to do 500 laps around the track. But okay. they like they trade off. So one person will go like 80 laps, and they can coordinate, hey, you're going to take over after lap 80, and then they'll oh. trade the bike off. That sounds awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. It's very awesome. I mean, not a lot of people actually attend the bike race. I mean, it is well attended due to all the sororities and frats that are in it. But, yeah, majority of the week and the people on campus are just there to party. They don't care about the bike race. That's great. We should go this year. Let's do it. I miss it. I don't know if it's still the case. I'm assuming it is. But I remember when I was in college, Dayton got voted, I think, like the fourth best place in the world to be on St. Patrick's Day. And it's... It's so rowdy that they do. They make sure that every graduating class gets to have it one time. So they do it once every four years. And I'll, I'll never forgive. I took a like music and film class, which I actually enjoyed. Okay. But the professor scheduled it. St. Patrick's Day was on a Friday. It was perfect. NCAA tournament was just started. The setup was perfect. He scheduled a test for that Friday morning. Oh, my gosh. And so I'm walking to class. This is an early class. It's like a 9 a.m. class. So I'm walking from our apartment to class like 8.30. And every, like all these houses in the, the ghetto, which they don't call it the ghetto anymore, the student neighborhood, they, they're all like having parties already. Everyone's already drinking. And this sucks. And somebody, I'm walking, I've got my backpack on, I'm like the biggest loser alive. And this guy throws a football to me from his yard. I make this incredible over-the-shoulder catch <laughs> and like throw it back. The whole party's like going nuts. Like, he's like, come up here and do a shot. I'm like, I've got a test. And like, I, and like everyone boos. It went from being like hero to zero so quickly. <laughs> And so I go to class, and like I walk in. I'd have probably walked over and just had one. I probably, I probably should have. Lord <laughs> knows I wasn't going to do great on the test. But the the professor, like, who I, I did really like, I remember really liking the class, liking the guy. And he was like, I just found out, realized today is St. Patrick's Day, and I scheduled a test, and I'm so sorry. I was like, you son of a bitch. Like, you knew exactly what you were doing. 
but uh, it, it was fun. It wasn't. It didn't like that was the one weekend in college that didn't quite live up to my expectations. And it, part of the reason was like it was my sophomore year, so none of us were twenty one, and like it was kind of the one weekend where they were really like there were cops everywhere because they knew I was going to get so rowdy, mm-hmm. and so like the the casual drinking like was kind of you had to be a little bit more discreet if you were not twenty one. Is St. Patrick's the best drinking holiday? Oh yeah. I mean, what, what would even be second? Uh, Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, it's, it's, I love Cinco de Mayo. That's true. I mean, Fourth of July, Memorial Day, both. I, I mean, I like I not like, technically drinking holidays, but pretty much. Drinking. My answer would be Cinco de Mayo, just because I like tequila more than I like Jameson. Okay, I mean, you could just drink green beer, It'd be fine. Yeah, that kind of weirds me out too, though. It's just it's like one. If you drink any food, you got food coloring in it, or eat any food, pretty much, true. you got food coloring in it. Texas says, I used to host July Oween for a while in our late 20s, early 30s. It was everything. That's, I mean, that's awesome. I should have been friends with you. <laughs> every Halloween, like, I think it one, I probably did do it. Like, every single Halloween party we had in our 20s, there was probably one moment every single time where I was like, why don't we just do this more? Like, what, like, what's stopping us from doing this in, in, in late January? But wouldn't, you wouldn't really want to do it in July, though, because some of those costumes could get a little get heavy, yeah. A little heavy, a little hot, yeah. Still. You can you can make a, a warm weather cut. You plan ahead. Give them like three weeks notice. You can you can plan ahead. You can True. make this work. Texas says Scoots, you could do some Kermit parody videos. Kermit. Always hear freaking Kermit. What was the one Kermit guy? Kermit the wrong here. Well, that's actually really good. <laughs> the one guy who said you sounded like a a, a pedophile Kermit. And I was like, yeah, molester. A molester. I was like, why yeah. does he have to be a molester? Exactly. Who well, knows that, what a molester Kermit sounds I like? I think that was the same day as Rebecca Black. Well, that's why that comment came. It was a, it was a tough day. For that you. was. Still haven't lived that one down. I, there was a quote in the in the, in the Kenny Payne story that uh, the transcript that I did think about you. Where <laughs> let me try to find. He's like, uh, he's talking. Basically, he was talking about like young people. Uh, he, he said that, he said, <laughs> he said there's a lot of young people that I want to reach, and I was like. I need to, and he goes. I need to. I need. To, we had to have coaches here that say I need to love young people, and I was like, we should have gotten scoots on staff as I was reading it. So we can work that into today's show. I'm sorry. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll get to as many of your texts on the Thornton Stacks as we can. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty, and then we'll look ahead to what's going on tonight in the world of sports. It's the Mike Rutherford Show Wednesday edition here on fourteen fifty and ninety six one. Big ass. Uh, ben Harper. This is Sublime. Oh, it's Sublime. We've had Incubus Acoustic and Sublime Acoustic in the same show. I've determined that iPod Shuffle Wednesday stinks. It's usually okay. It's, it's usually better than normal Trevor Tuesday or whatever. But At this point, I'd rather have normal Trevor. Yeah. Uh, reminder, we get the Jeff Brom Radio Show coming your way tonight from 7 to 8. It's back. If you can make it out to the Roosters in Fern Creek, they're going to be giving away two free tickets to Saturday's game against Duke to one lucky person who's attending the radio show. If you can't make it out to the Roosters in Fern Creek, you can always hear the Jeff Brom Radio Show live on our sister station, 970 WGTK, your new home for Cardinal Athletics. Uh, Jeff will be talking about, uh, I'm sure, 
updating fans on what's transpired since the bye week and then getting you ready for Saturday's big game against Duke. We also tomorrow are going to have UofL Men's Basketball Media Day is going to go down at the uh, Planet Fitness Keeper Center. Kenny Payne's going to have a press conference at 1.30. Players will be available on the court afterward. A lot of talking for Kenny Payne this week. He had the tip-off luncheon on uh, on Tuesday, which I, I, I take it back. It was tip-off luncheon earlier this month. Somebody sent me a message yesterday and was like, I can't find any video of Kenny Payne's speech from the tip-off luncheon. And I thought about it, and I was like, he's right. Like I, I haven't seen anything that he said. I haven't seen, you know, usually DRB will have a story with some accompanying video. I know the local news stations were there. I've not seen any video. I don't know if he talked or not. I know Jeff Walsh talked at his a couple of days ago, but Kenny Payne, we heard from him today. We're going to hear from him again tomorrow. I would be, I've always felt a little bit for the the players specifically who go to these ACC media days when there's an obvious storyline surrounding your team because, you know, we all hear their podium session when they're in front of all the media and, you know, it's like a, they're basically only there for 10 minutes and you're like, oh, cool. Like they answered five questions and they moved on. What you don't see is they go from from there to breakout sessions where they're doing they're they're going from radio station to radio station to radio station. They're doing interviews with news guys. Like you do like twenty five interviews in the span of four hours. And if you're a Louisville player, if you're JJ Trainer Mike James, you're answering the same damn questions every single time. Like mm-hmm. you, I mean, everyone's gonna be like, "How do you move on from last year? You know, what what's different about this season?" And you you're trying to find some new way to get the same answer. And I think about, I mean, I'm sure you've been in similar situations where, for you know, whether it's media thing or just in life, like, you know, maybe I'll do, if Louisville's got a big game coming up, I'll do some radio spots. And you know, they're going to ask you the same four or five questions. And that's like three or four interviews. And at some point, like, you get sick of trying to regurgitate the same answer and give it with the same inflection and act like you're saying it for the first time. I can't imagine how annoying it gets for these guys today to be right. like, you know. Do we? I mean, at some point, if you're Mike James, you want to be like, "Did we go four and twenty-eight last year?" I actually didn't remember that. <laughs> I remember us going to the tournament. Isn't that the way you have to go about it? Just yeah. be sarcastic about it. I think I would. I think I would get to a point where I would just be like, "Yeah, I actually thought we beat Duke last year." <laughs> Thanks for bringing that to light. We beat UK. We went to the national title game. It was great. Um, but props to them. It sounded like media day was a success today. I think we'll find out where Louisville was in the preseason media poll tomorrow or Friday. I think they'll come out with the all-conference teams tomorrow, and then the media poll will be out on Friday. I, I mean... Any shot, they're not last. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll be last. I think Notre, no. Dame, Notre Dame will be last, if I had to guess. Notre Dame. Notre Dame's roster is bad. I think they hired a good coach in Micah Shrewsbury. I think he's going to do a good job there. But they, they have a terrible roster. I think that we'll be 13th or 14th when all said and done. I, I, I did see that betonline.com came out with their odds to win the conference today, and we had the second-worst odds. We're, I think we were like plus 80,000 or whatever, and Notre Dame was the only team that was worse. I, I think we'll be 13th or 14th when all said and done. So brace yourselves. I, I did this last year where I was like, I'm preparing everybody. We're not going to be picked very highly in all these ACC preseason power rankings. We're probably going to be like 10th, 11th, or 12th. And I think we were 11th last year, which seems you know far too forgiving given that one, the way that the season happened. So – even if you think this this year is going to be better than most people do, even if you think that this is going to be a, a rousing success in year two for Kenny Payne, you can't really get upset about the fact that we're probably going to be picked to finish 13th or 14th or maybe 15th in this year's preseason media poll because all anybody has to go off of is what they did last year and what the roster looks like now. And while it does look better, it's still a roster that on paper I, I think has some significant holes. So mm. we'll talk about that as, as time goes on tomorrow. 
Uh, we've got about 20 minutes. If you want to have your thoughts heard, make them on the Thornton's text line by texting us at 502-414-1450. We'll read these, and then we'll look ahead to, uh, to Wednesday night in sports, which is certainly less busy than it was last night with the NBA yeah. starting and MLB wrapping up the NLCS. And we get Wimbenyama tonight, though. We do get Victor Wimbenyama, which will be fun. I won't be awake for it, but that's cool. I'll probably watch a little bit of it. We'll have some NBA tonight. We'll have some NHL. Oh, the Lanch still unbeaten after a 7-4 triumph over the Islanders wow. last night. Got a little nervous for a second when they're kind of trading goals. It got to 4-4, and the Lanch do what they do. I haven't kept up with hockey scores recently. Are the overs still hitting at an incredible clip? I mean, last night they did. I don't know about yeah. that. I mean, I, I don't. I haven't bet hockey yet. All I know is my Lanch are 6-0. I know look, the, looking like the Stanley Cup favorites. I know the first 11 hockey games of the season went over. Did they really? Or, no, nine of the first 11, sorry. Never forget. That's nuts. That's yeah. uh, that's a wild stat. 502-414-1450. Here we go. Texture says, uh, and Cal is who was over KP. Cool. Chris the plumber. I don't know what I don't know what that's in reference to. KP was his assistant. Oh yeah. Well, I don't remember the conversation, but Texture says, oh, roll call text. Sorry, I already opened it. I'm 34. If I ever have to sprint, then something horrible has happened. When's the last time that you truly sprinted, Scoots? That, yeah, that's what we were talking about this morning. It's been a long, long time. I, I couldn't tell you the last time. I told, I said I was going to after roll call today, and I never did. I mean, it's probably the last time that I like played softball, which has been like 10 years at this point, <laughs> which is sad to think about. I can't tell you the last time I sprinted. I, mean, I, I feel like there's been a couple of times where I've seen like one of my kids like like kind of drifting towards the street in our driveway, and I've probably like sprinted, but that's like ten feet. Right. Unless somebody's got a knife, I'm probably not sprinting these days. It's going to take a lot to get me in full stride, which is sad because I feel like I used to be kind of fast, and now I can't even imagine. I don't, I don't think I could even finish a forty yard dash. It'd be pathetic. My uh, roommate asked me last night. I guess he was he had saw a video of sprint walk or speed walkers. Yeah, and he was like, it, "Do you think you could beat their fastest mile?" In a, oh, in a God. That's run. A, that's a good question. And I was like, yeah, I, pr- I think I probably could. I was like, look up their times. And the world record for a mile in a speed walking is like 531. Oh. I was like, nope, <laughs> can't beat him. Never mind. <laughs> I did hear so part of it. I think the last thing that I heard before I, I got home and, and turned Kentucky Roll Call off this morning was I guess a question came in about, do you think that if like the Kentucky defensive line had a, had its stomach bug, could you pick up a first down at running back on a third and two? Yeah. And TJ said he thought he could. Yeah, I was like, "There's no way, <laughs> zero chance." And again, I'm somebody who like I, I thought that it, back in the day I was decently fast. No, no way whatsoever <laughs> that I'm picking up a, a first down against a defense. And I don't, I don't care if they have all have one arm tied behind their backs. I'm not getting there. I'd love to think that I could, but if, unless that hole is opening wide for me and I can just walk through it, I'm not. I'm not making it. If there is one thing to be said about TJ, he is extremely confident in his athletic God abilities. Love I love him. I mean, yeah, I mean. I don't. I don't think I'm getting there. I mean, I. I don't know if I'm taking the handoff. I mean, when's the last time <laughs> I took a handoff? Texture says, um, "Elite Eight in 2017 and 2019, and two seed in 2022. LMAO in seven years. Mike showing his ass now. Is that the standard now? Making a couple <laughs> Final Four Elite Eights and losing to inferior opponents because that's what you did. How those other years go? Six seed last year, nine wins the year before. Just saying, ain't exactly the first part of Cal's tenure." Texas is the – I don't know if I can read that one. Have you seen the Dwight Howard stories that are out there? No. I can look at this text, though. 
Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you can't read that. What? Yeah, and I don't know <laughs> if you understand it if you don't know the story. No, I'll there, have to look into it. There are stories that are out there. Okay. They're bad. I mean, basically, he's being accused of sexual assault, which is awful. But people, like the other part of the story is that it's with a man and then another man that he brought to this who was dressing up like in drag, I guess. Whoa. So there's a lot of layers to the story that are out there. And look, I mean, I don't, I don't care if it's a, if you're committing sexual assault against anybody, like, like that's, you know, that's, that should be the headline here that's right. out there. But clearly there are, you know, he's, he's, he brought this man dressed as a woman named Kitty to a threesome. And he's not, I guess his lawyer's not denying it. He's just, he's only denying the sexual assault part of it. Like it's, it, it's, it's, it's a story that's out there is all mm. I can say. Texture says, um, Tier one cheater is what Cal is. Oh, I thought they were talking about Samson. Cheater. Samson, I mean. They acted like he was a tier one cheater. They really did. <laughs> I mean, you would have thought like when when this happened, because I was in college when it broke, when it went down, you would have thought that Kelvin Samson was just like the worst person. Mm-hmm. Like, like he was definitely, he had the the, the Scarlet C tattooed to him. And, and, and then when you look at what he actually did, you're like, really? Like, is this, is this what we're really getting this, uh, this upset about? Texas says, tuning in late, but Mike, it looks like the KP supporters are coming after you on social media. Stay strong. Is that happening now? <laughs> you haven't gotten notifications? Uh, I mean, I I just, yeah, never really look at it. <laughs> I mean, I, I've looked at some, but I mean, what, they want to be mad, they can be mad. I, I haven't said anything terrible. Texter says, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know what this means. Texas a little off topic, but more frustrating, Jack Plummer or Brian Brown? Eh, I mean, the Brian Brown tenure overall? Because there was nothing about his performance last season, especially the last half of last year, that was not that, that was frustrating. We ended up having a top 10 defense. We led the country in sacks. It was a it was a really good defense. But it was super frustrating the prior three years that he like did things like refusing to bring pressure on third and long and just watching opposing quarterbacks sit back there for 15 seconds and then pick us apart with a 15-yard pass over the middle. Like, that that sucked. And he finally started bringing the heat all the time last year, and we reaped the benefits of it. Jack Plummer, I mean, it's sort of the same thing where when he's been good, he's been good. But when he's been bad, it's been frustratingly bad because he just makes – I mean, you you understand that there are limitations there. Like, he's not going to be Caleb Williams. He, he's not going to be – Caleb Williams isn't even Caleb Williams anymore. Well, that's true. But he's not – I mean, who, wh- whoever you want, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix, he's not going to be those guys. There, there are throws out there that he simply cannot make. But he can still be a good college quarterback who manages a game well. And when he doesn't do that – when he makes the glaring mistakes that you just simply cannot make, even in wins. Like the, the NC State turnover in the end zone is the one of the most egregious mistakes, if not the most egregious mistake I've ever, ever seen a Louisville quarterback make. It's like that becomes super frustrating. You're like, you don't, we don't need you to make the Lamar Jackson play. We don't need you to be a hero. We just need you to manage this game, get the ball to the studs, let the defense do their thing. Let's get out of here with a win. So, I, I mean, I hate to say it because he's the quarterback of a 6-1 and one team. So you can and his numbers, by outside of the turnovers, are good, but Jack Plummer I think has been maybe a little bit more frustrating than Brian Brown. Again, if we're just talking about Brian Brown last year, Texas says sign stealing is part of the game. Please just hide the signs better. 
That's it. I do think it's crazy that you know all these Ohio State. There's all this footage from the Ohio State, Ohio State game last year that's surfacing, where it's obvious that like Ohio State makes one call from the sidelines, all the players look at it, and then they get set, and the Michigan sign reacts, and they make this call, and all the Michigan players react, and make the sign, and they're ready for all these plays. I'm like, you're Ohio State. How are you not mixing your signs up from one game to the next, right? right. Like, you know, how do you not have a more intricate system of getting your your play calls out to your defense and your offense? It just seems. It's a billion-dollar industry. Archaic. Maybe, maybe change the signs up a little bit. I don't know. Texas, the more I listen to Scoots, the more I realize him and Trevor are the same person. <laughs> I can definitely not see, see Trevor not understanding why blackface is bad. Scoots, look up minstrel shows, and you should understand why it's bad. Me and Trevor are very similar. You guys more do. than More than I like to admit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Mary only – like, my wife only knows you from, like, what you hear – and she was kind of like asking, and she was like, "I feel like he's such a he's so different than Trevor. It's such like a, like a change of pace." And I'm like, "Yeah, there are similarities there that maybe just, don't come through on the radio." I just like. don't interject heavily, and also like you don't say like every single thing that comes to your mind at any given time. True, Trevor's like, "Oh, he's, you know, do do mice fear death?" Like I just thought about that today. But I'd be willing to bet Trevor has no idea what blackface is either. I think I think he knows what it is. I think Trevor also would. Like, not think that it's wrong. I, th- I think Trevor would have an issue with it. But, Tre- like, you thankfully will just kind of, like, stop. Mm-hmm. Whereas Trevor will will run Keep the risk going. of getting the whole damn show yeah, canceled by, no doubt. by continuing to entertain his doubts and his thoughts. Because Trevor, if Trevor, if it takes Trevor more than five seconds to understand something, he, he is like a 13-year-old where he's like, well, that's dumb. It's, <laughs> it's just dumb. It's not that, like, I just don't get it and maybe I need to look at it. It's just dumb. And then that's that's it. I'm like, well, there you go. It's It's just dumb. Texture says, uh, Scoot's not knowing about the blackface thing is extremely Indiana. His surprise <laughs> at Mike not knowing about the Little Five is also very Indiana. I thought everybody in this area knew what Little Five is. <laughs> I, I could understand like somebody from California not knowing, but I thought if you lived in this area, you knew what Little Five was. It, it, like, it, it is weird. I mean, we are so close to Indiana. We're so close to Indianapolis. It shocks me. I think I know I know I've told this specific story before, but it does shock me how little like people from Indianapolis know about Louisville and specifically the Derby and mm-hmm. vice versa with the Indianapolis 500. Case in point, like I went to the Indianapolis 500 for the first time three years ago. I had no idea that you could just bring a cooler of whatever yeah, in. Yeah, awesome, sandwich. right? I mean, I, again, like I feel like I was in Amsterdam when I walked in. I'm like, you don't have to pay eighteen dollars for a bit. I'm like, this is incredible. I'm like, I'm gonna get absolutely hammered here on my own supply. Like, this is. This is the greatest thing I've ever been a part of. And the reversal of that was Mark Titus, who, who grew up in Indiana, always went to the Indianapolis 500. He was texting me. He went to the Derby for the first time like five years ago and was like just walking in with a huge cooler full of beer. And he like goes through security and they're like, uh, you can't bring that in here. And he's like, why not? And they're like, you can't bring your own alcohol into the infield. He had no idea whatsoever that you didn't, you, you couldn't bring in. And you would think that, you know, us being so close in this area and both being sports people, we would have heard about the other system at play, but I mean, I think I was, I think I was really old before I realized that Indianapolis did a full-on festival for the Indianapolis 500 the same way that we do for the Derby. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think I, I think I was in like college where I just didn't understand before I learned that. Texture says, uh, "Wasn't the bike race in the movie Breaking Away?" It was. Yeah, that's what it's based around. Little Five. I never saw Breaking. Watch Breaking Away. It's a good movie. Texture says, "Not one mention of Labor Day on best drinking days. Labor Day is a great drinking day." Mm-hmm. I mean, first weekend of college football, 
the extra Monday. If you're a lake person, it's a huge lake weekend. Yeah, but then, do you consider that like a drinking day? Like, I don't know. I feel like St. Patrick's Day and Cinco de Mayo are just based around drinking. Whereas so, Labor Day is based around, I don't know, family, friends, cookouts, drinking's involved too. But I do feel like the first, like the, all the other ones that we've mentioned, Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July, people celebrate in different ways. Whereas with St. Patrick's Day and with uh, with Cinco de Mayo, we all have one goal, for the most part. You know, like like if, if you're a kid, you're not really celebrating. If you're gonna celebrate Cinco de Mayo, you're probably an adult who's looking to drink some tequila. Yeah. If you're doing, I mean, maybe kids do like little St. Patrick's Day stuff at school, but for the most part, it's a holiday for adults to go out and get wasted. Love it. Uh, Plumber Bro One says one v one. I would love to hear TJ and Mike Rutherford go toe to toe debating Kentucky. It would Ooh, be pure gold. That would be. I love TJ. But I would love to debate him. <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow from 7 to 9? Let's do it. <laughs> he also said, what UK loss? I'd be so tired. He'd be like, I don't care. You're right. I used to do the Diener show as like a guest. And he would call me. They'd literally wake me up at 730. And I was so bad. I sounded like the worldwide, these old would be like, did you just wake up? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Just You guys woke me up with this phone call. And now I'm going to try to be funny about Louisville sports. Um, Plumbing also had a KRC text. What UK lost in either football or basketball were you guys dreading the most to do KRC the next day? I I'll, I can answer from a Louisville standpoint. When we, I mean, they're because Lord knows we've had more than they have over the last since I've been doing radio. I mean, I did I, I started doing radio four months, but like full time, four months before the Katina Powell stuff broke. Oh, there's been a lot of shows that I have not exactly been excited for. I think if we're talking about just results, the one that I was the when we lost to Virginia. On the last second shot in the game, the David Padgett year 2018, where all we had to do was like lie down on the floor for five seconds and not do anything we would have won. But instead, we somehow gave up five points in 0.9 seconds. That was the one where I was like, we, we did it from a newly opened UofL clothing store on campus where like they wanted us to, to hype the stuff up and like mm-hmm. give all these promos. And I was like, I don't want to be here. I hate you. I hate you. I hate everybody. We're not going to the tournament. I love David. And like now he's not going to get to experience a great season. Like it was that was the one that I was like I just don't want to do this show I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> Texture says Bishop Sycamore has a game next month. Also, I missed out on thirteen hundred dollars because of hockey last night. Hmm. I lost another football. I lost another bet last night. I took uh, Liberty and the Phillies money line and parlayed it. Ooh. So you didn't lose a football bet. You lost baseball. Bet. Yeah. Yeah. That's bad. Texture says, Why does Scoot sound like an old Patrick Mahomes? You kind of do. Old Patrick Mahomes. You, huh. you have a little bit more bass in your voice. I'll have to th- yeah, I'll have to put some more thought behind that one. Ever since somebody did the splice of the mashup of of Patrick Mahomes and uh Kenny Powers, that's all I can think of anymore. They, I don't know. I they think, sound exactly alike. I think Patrick Mahomes has more of like a I don't girlish isn't the way to put it, but he's got like a little more what's the thing women have in their voice? Mace? <laughs> put some mace in your voice. <laughs> He's just he's he sounds a little more feminine to me. When he talk when you guys talk when you talk fast, hmm. I think you both sound. I'll have to keep an ear out for that. I've never never thought of that one. Texas says, does KP win more games than his athletic tier ranking? So more than seven? Yes, I think he does. <laughs> Texas says uh, you haven't you said that we haven't been a top five caliber team in seven years. Don't lie on UK's name to make yourself feel better. No, it's not the standard, but what you said is false. No, I don't think you have. You have not been one of the five best programs in college basketball over the last seven years. I stand by that wholeheartedly. Texas says, did you all see the pictures and videos of Hurricane Otis hitting Acapulco 
Last night, I was watching the barometric pressure drop by the hour. It grew from tropical storm to a Cat 5 in less than 18 hours and is the strongest storm ever to hit the Mexican Pacific coast. I've always wanted to go to Acapulco. Prayers to all the people affected. I hope they all get the help and aid that they need. I didn't see that. I saw that it was hitting, but I haven't looked up any pictures or videos, which is very surprising because I'm such a weather guy. You're a weather guy, yeah. yeah. Texas, do you all think that Jawar plays on Saturday from Chris the Plumber? I do, but I think he'll be a little bit limited. Texas says 13 to 14. 13 14 is probably the worst record we could have and still retain our head coach. That depresses me. A good coach would at the very least compete for the NCAA postseason, probably would win at least 17 games. And winning four last year should not be the benchmark for success. If they only win one game, would that lower the bar even further? I, I agree. I mean, if we go 14 and 18 this year and give him a third year, I think that that's ridiculous. I do. And, and I, I like Josh a lot. I think he's done a great job here. If you go 14 and 18 in your second year at a place like Louisville, you should not get a third year. Kentucky fired Billy Gillespie after he went to one NCAA tournament, was the SEC coach of the year, and narrowly missed it in his second year. And it was the right move. They did the right thing. You don't get a lower – like nobody this time a year ago getting ready for Kenny Payne's first season, nobody would be like, hey, if this guy wins 20 games, I mean 18 games in two combined seasons, do you think he deserves a three? Nobody would have signed up for that. And now we're sitting here and debating it. I I just think we've lowered the standard far, far too far. Texas Breaking Away is a really good movie with a nice cast that gives some insight into the little 500. I may have to watch Breaking Away. You should. It's it's older, so prepare yourself for that. I think I want to say it came out in like '87, maybe. Texas, will I get arrested if I show up to the game this weekend in a Michigan wearing a Michigan pullover with binoculars and a notebook? No, that's it's <laughs> a very funny idea. Maybe I'll change my Halloween costume to that. That's pretty good. <laughs> Texas, Mike, my dad also enjoyed Car Talk. You may already know this, but the Magalizoli. Magliozzi brothers uh, played the Rusty's guys in the movie Cars. I did not know that. I've seen Cars. When I have kids, I had no idea that the Car Talk guys were in it. Texas, I have season tickets in the upper level of the North Expansion, and the view is fine. It's high up, but it's not as high as the flight deck, and it's closer to the field. That's what I've heard. I do, I've heard that it's steep. It's certainly not as high as the flight deck, but, I mean, if you're if you're choosing between sitting in that area or you're sitting in, like, one of the, I don't know, like, sort of the better views of near midfield, I would go with the, the midfield. Texas says, uh, well, we know the speed that sound travels, and I assume they know the location of the sound's origin, so it's not incredibly advanced math, my friends. Distance divided by the speed of sound gives you time. We, yeah, don't, we don't do math on this show. Exactly. Math is long, optional. I was told that was optional here. I don't know how long you've listened, but uh, <laughs> since they started incorporating letters into math in, like, fifth grade, that's when yeah, I checked out. I'm done. I was fine up until then. I thought I did pretty well. I was one of the better in my class at math. And then they started bringing the the letters in. I got bad, and I was just done. I checked out. Uh, I'm never checking back in. Texas, even though there's no scandal, Payne should have done what Patino did in 2015 and no-showed Operation Basketball. I forgot that he just didn't go. I did forget that. I guess that would have been the 2016 season. Or no, it was 2015. It was right after the Powell stuff broke. And he was like, nope, I'm just not going. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, a, it's quite the move. I, I saw St. John's got picked to finish, I believe, fifth in the Big East this season. Which is, we'll see what happens. He's, he was holding court for sure at Big East Media Days. Texas, the north end zone is a fantastic spot. All right. Take your word for it. Uh, tonight, we've got uh, yeah, really not a whole lot. Not, World Series we're waiting on. NFL, we've got back tomorrow. College football, I think there's a little, there's, there's a game or two. Oh, there's got to be. But we do have a, a full slate of NBA action for the first time. We, we'll pick the, uh, Victor Womanyama, I think, is the big ticket tonight. 930 ESPN, Mavericks taking on the Spurs. Dallas is a four-point road favorite. 
Who wins, Scoots? Dallas welcomes Victor into the league with a big old fat L. I think they cover here. I like Dallas to win by nine, ten points tonight. I'm with you. I think Dallas wins and covers. I think Wemby does a bunch of things that are the clear, yeah, yeah. The, the, the clear focus. Tonight, college football, real quickly. Uh, UTEP is on the road taking on winless Sam Houston State. How about this game on ESPN 2 at 8 o'clock? UTEP's 2-6. and six. Sam Houston is 0-7. Despite that, Sam Houston a 3.5-point favorite. Does Sam Houston... The Bearcats get their first victory tonight. That line doesn't make any sense to me, Mike. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Sam Houston, minus three and a half. UTEP wins and covers. Sorry, Bearcats. <laughs> uh, everyone have a fantastic win tonight. Scoots and I will be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Yeah. Go Cards, baby. so nice. I want to hear the same song twice.